I am Mike Comite. I'm Jacob Tender. Welcome back to Bantha Fodder. Today we're discussing basically what I think of as the Apple keynote of Star Wars announcements. <laughs> What's the sports equivalent of this, Jake? It's, it's like a draft. Why are you asking me any sports questions? Dude, I don't you know. You love sports. I know you love sports. I know you love basketball and baseball and foosball and you're on all to all that stuff. This is I feel like this is a draft or something like that, you know. Yes, this is this is the big announcement. We're not really drafting things, we're kind of just announcing things. This is the the 11 forthcoming Star Wars series and films announced or teased at Disney's Investor Day, Thursday, December 10th, 2020. That's when it took place. Yes. Are you an investor, Jake? I am not an investor. In fact, I didn't know that this was happening until the day before when a friend of mine named Bobby Darling texted me to let me know. So to help us work through all these announcements, today we're joined by special guest Bobby Darling. Welcome, Bobby. Hey, guys. So in addition to his career in music, composing rock classics with groups like Gatsby's American Dream, Acceptance, The Money Pit, What, 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 American Fail, and many more, Bobby is also a big Star Wars fan and one of my personal favorite texting partners on the subject. So Bobby... How are you feeling about all of this Star Wars news? Uh, I'm just thrilled. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I was the guilty culprit in bugging you about it. You're like, what's this? I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you did. I didn't know it was coming. I, it's funny, you know, Disney's stock jumped like 20% the next day or something. And uh, I, I, I didn't even think about like, I should, I should buy stock right now because I, it, it the, the news was so kind of tumultuous as far as like shaking up all the streaming platforms. And I was just like, oh, my God, like Disney Plus is the only place to be now because of all the Star Wars content. Like, I don't I even have the other streaming platforms. I get paid by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps when you have the 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 like the Disney Plus package now that, that comes with Hulu, because Hulu is going to be getting a lot of exclusive stuff as well for mostly like the Fox stuff that they brought on. Yeah. Um, which is exciting because they, they, you know, they mentioned like an alien series, which. I'd love to talk about, but there's a Star Wars podcast. Um, but yeah, Disney Plus definitely seems like the the place to be right now. Yeah, it's super super exciting. I I just I mean, there's there was, and we're gonna get into this obviously, but there's there's just so much to unpack. It's like it's kind of it's hard to even fathom the scale of the announcement because you know we're so accustomed to you know they'll announce, hey, we have a new movie coming, like a movie, and we're like super super excited, and there's like. I mean, there's there's so much stuff coming that's like, oh, my God, like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is Star Wars podcast, so we're going to be talking primarily about all the Star Wars announcements. And there are you know more than enough to cover an entire episode. But on top of that, like I'm sure Mike was excited to hear about all the Marvel stuff. And then there's all the Disney and Pixar stuff that's coming as well. Um, the next couple of years on Disney Plus is going to be absolutely insane. So to say that this is shaking things up is is a complete understatement. Like I, we thought that the HBO Max and Warner Brothers news was huge. I think this far exceeds that. Do you think that the uh, the HBO Max Warner deal was announced as kind of a panic move because they heard rumblings of what was coming from Disney? That's a good question. I don't know. I, I hadn't looked at it, you know, from like a hindsight point of view after the Disney announcement, but it definitely seems like that could be the case. It seemed like a lot of stuff was coming from Warner Brothers straight to HBO Max, but now with this deluge, it, it doesn't really seem quite as big anymore, which is probably good <laughs> for Warner Brothers and HBO Max because they were catching some flack. I don't know. It's hard to say. Like I, this Disney announcement, I think it might be important to to note this, but I actually didn't catch it. The stuff that's coming to Disney Plus, are there also planned theater releases for the movies that they're announcing as well, or? They're definitely carrying on as if, like, there's not going to be a future of theaters. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like they're they're hedging their bets more now than they were at the beginning of 2020. You know, hopefully things change with 
vaccines and, and stuff, but it is a it is a weird landscape. And I you know there's a lot to be said about the future of theaters and and if they're going to be able to survive the next couple months. But yeah, this this straight to home thing's weird. Disney was a little bit more diplomatic about the whole move than um, Warner was. Uh, one, they communicated with the talent and the creatives uh, before making these announcements. Oh, yeah. So it's not it's not like the news that uh, the Pinocchio live action was coming straight to Disney Plus was some kind of a surprise to Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but that was the case for a lot of movies that were, you know, in the pipeline at Warner. The creatives had no idea that this was happening until like the day before or the day of, and they're pissed, you know, this because it affects, you know, right. it, it affects the the landscape that their, you know, media is going to be released in, but it also affects the, you know, their profit sharing deals and everything. And, you know, there's not going to be, bo- the box office is going to be, uh, you know, affected residuals are going to be affected. And they're, you know, Warner's like, oh, by the way, we're doing this. Whereas, you know, Disney, I think, you know, put a lot more thought and planning into this. Like how, how do we navigate this new world? And, and it is to go back to your, you know, your question, it is, it's going to be, you know, a mix of the two, like some of, some of these, uh, you know, announcements, these titles are going to be coming directly to Disney plus, but some of them are also going to get theatrical, theatrical runs. Like I believe rogue squadrons coming to theaters it would be insane not to have that in theaters like i couldn't imagine seeing that any other way and i still feel that way about dune but i don't know exactly how i'm gonna see that yet yeah dune dune more so like i want to see rogue squadron okay we're gonna get to that right (laughs) yeah for sure for sure okay okay yeah the the one thing that mike is looking forward to no we're gonna skip that (laughs) (laughs) well i just don't want i mean we're still getting into it so i don't i don't know i don't want to i don't want to spoil it God, I can't wait to watch Dune on my iPad. <laughs> Just on the smallest screen. I'm going to get like a, an iPhone mini to watch Dune on. It's going to be so sweet. <laughs> okay. With that, uh, we should probably get started. There's a lot to talk about. Um, Let's do it. I guess before this Disney Investor Day uh, announcement, we knew about some stuff, right? We knew that there was probably going to be more Mando. We knew that there was a Kenobi series and a casting Andor series, uh, a Clone Wars spinoff called The Bad Batch, something by Leslie Headland, and then maybe, like potentially, a High Republic series. Um, we learned that the Leslie Headland series is actually the High Republic series in the thing, but these are the, like the the shows that we knew about that were coming out prior. As far as movies go, there was the Taika Waititi film, a movie like a rumored movie by Kevin Feige. Feige? Feige. 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 Thank you. I need Marvel people to back me up on this because I know nothing about the <laughs> It's like beige, like beige. <laughs> yeah. And then potentially a Ryan Johnson series of movies, maybe uh, another trilogy of his own own creation. Womp womp. Yeah. We we got updates on a lot and we we learned about a lot more, but um, we did not hear about the, the Kevin Feige or Ryan Johnson movies at all. In place of that, we did get that, that Rogue One movie, which we will talk about. Or the Rogue Squadron movie. See, Mike? You're already doing it, man. You're already doing it. <laughs> you warned this, me of this. This spells disaster for this film. <laughs> Rogue Squadron. So yeah, that's that's the stuff that they had initially announced. When Bobby told me that there was going to be something, and then once I found out that they were going to be announcing like a lot of stuff, I got a little concerned. And I won't harp on this because I, I definitely felt a lot better about it after watching the call. But I felt like when they said that there are going to be 10 new Star Wars shows... I got a little concerned because it seems like a lot of of TV to produce in, you know, the next couple of years, knowing kind of the way that Lucasfilm works and the way that they have shared resources, primarily in like the the creative story group and, you know, areas in which they tried to keep it all cohesive and under one banner of canon. 
Um, I thought that was kind of concerning, but I, I will say that after watching the presentation, I do feel a lot better about that and, and we can kind of get to why later. But um, yeah, I think the best place to start is probably with the, the first two announcements in this presentation, which were Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka, two spinoff series set within the timeline of The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. So we've we all three of us have been watching The Mandalorian. I know, Bobby, you just recently got caught up. I think Mike is the only one on the call that's that's one episode ahead. Uh, but we're all sort of caught up to to basically last last week or two for The Mandalorian. Episode 13. Yep. Yep. You have seen Ahsoka appear on screen. That should be no spoiler at this point. They've been you know, using that pretty heavily to promote this season. Uh, we had a lot of guesses about you know, what Ahsoka's role was in, in this season and, and sort of where her storyline was going to go. That all got thrown out the window <laughs> when I saw that there's going to be an entirely new series for Ahsoka based within the same timeline. You know, it's still Rosario Dawson. Um, and they didn't really say much more than that. You know, Favreau and Filoni are developing both of these series, both Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka. So they're involved in that that process. So it seems like this is just sort of an avenue for them to branch out with characters that we've already been introduced to in The Mandalorian Season 2 and sort of have them tell their own stories so that they're able to have like this climactic story event where all three shows are going to culminate in one spot, which tells me that these are limited series, first of all. So, Bobby, Mike, do you do you have any thoughts on what this means for Ahsoka's story? As someone who hasn't seen Rebels, and I've talked about this on past episodes, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's, I have no thoughts on what it could mean for Ahsoka because I have no idea where Ahsoka ends up, even after you told me where she ends up like two <laughs> episodes ago. Well, we know that this th- this takes place in the timeline of The Mandalorian. So I, I think sure. it's fair to guess that this either takes place like immediately prior to him, uh, you know, Din, Armando, Din, Jarek meeting Ahsoka or after. I think it's probably after from what we were given. I feel like this was a setup for what might be like her hunting down Thrawn. I think that could yeah. be like the rest of her story in live action is is her finding Thrawn in order to, you know, probably find Ezra, which is what the end of Rebels sort of alluded to. Um, okay. I don't know. Bobby, you have seen both of the animated shows and, and you're caught on this. What What's your thoughts? Uh, so I, and what I'm, I'm no, you know, expert in all things Star Wars, whatever. I'm a huge fan, but it's not like I know anything, but my, you know, my understanding of, you know, the Clone Wars animated series one, that's my favorite Star Wars that to me, that's like the high water mark for everything that Star Wars can be. You know, I, f- I feel like the original trilogy obviously is, is amazing. Um, but it, you know, it hinted at the heights that Clone Wars would would meet, and um, you know, Ahsoka was to me the best part of the Clone Wars animated series. So I'm so excited she's got this uh, uh, series coming. the um, The thing to me is that you know, Filoni and crew uh, with the Clone Wars series kind of uh, unfold a lot of the i guess negative feedback situation coming from the prequel trilogy you know when the prequels came out there's a lot of negative backlash there was a lot of oh god they messed up here they messed up here dialogue so clunky this 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 and you know but at the core of it i really really love the story of the of the prequels and there there's a lot to love there and the clone wars uh it didn't retcon anything but it 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 fleshed out the characters so much more than you know they were able to 
do with in the films. You know, uh, Anakin becomes right. a very three dimensional, you know, person that you have a lot of empathy for and you care about, and you know that ne- wasn't necessarily the case in the in the prequel films. Right. Um, you know, there was a, there was just so many opportunities to like flesh out and expand these characters. Obi Wan, there's so many so many more layers to his character than we even you know were exposed to in the Obviously, in the original trilogy, he's only there for a little bit, but he was so iconic and, you know, left such a, you know, mark on the franchise and in our psyches. Um, and he had, you know, but he was expanded so much in the, in the, the Clone Wars animated series. Um, so to me, the this Ahsoka series, um, you know, if you look at the economy of storytelling, there's only so much room and so much dialogue in an episode, and she's only in one episode so far of Mandalorian. Um, you know, that's right. really her, where she's focused on. She mentions Thrawn. It's like, you know, the hint at where's your master? Where's your master? All this stuff throughout the episode, and then she says his name. And you're like, oh, shit. and so to me, it's like that. Ha- you know, there's they wouldn't do that for no reason. It's like that's that's where her you know her story has to go, and to me. That opens up the possibility of them using Ahsoka, utilizing the Ahsoka series to kind of un the sequel trilogy, like they did with Clone Wars with the prequel trilogy. Um, you know, exploring Thrawn and bringing him to the forefront, uh, and and you know what what he's up to, what he's about. That it 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 turns the you know the the new order and everything that happens with the remnants of the empire uh after death star 2 is destroyed um it, it there's an opportunity to paint it in a a much more serious light where um it, instead of the mustache twirling villain like hux like uh, and we will find the rebels you know it's it's this this <laughs> villain that you can really like respect and fear and go like wow this is you know this is something the stakes are different, you know? And so I'm really excited yeah. for them to go there. I think it's pretty clear that Thrawn's going to be a, a, it would just be so silly that she even mentioned him in the episode if they're not going to make him a focal point of the series. So yeah, that's long story short. I'm excited. It's Thrawn. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was excited to get, you know, Thrawn in, in rebels. I thought that was, it was cool to see him jump to screen you know we can actually see him moving rather than just read about him in the books yeah so yeah I, i'm looking forward to that as well i i didn't i didn't hear a whole lot about this rangers and new, new republic series i didn't have a lot to say about it there were no you know log lines or, or really anything so do you guys think this is just about those uh you know those rangers <laughs> like the 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 republic x-wing pilots that are just kind of <laughs> roving the galaxy and, and pulling over mandalorians wherever they find them i like those guys i mean i'll take anybody <laughs> in an x-wing flying around hell yeah but <laughs> i don't know I, I mean maybe it could be like cara dune it could be like it, there's so many i mean there's, there's no telling it could be an animated series right or is it do we have confirmation that it's even live action i think this one's live action. it's live action yeah okay. they, i think they they specified all of the the animated ones as animated so i think this one is going to be live action okay i do wonder about cara dune like it seems natural for her to be in it but like how much of a role can she play like she is still a pretty primary i just don't think she can carry a show no i don't think so either but she's also like such a, a a big role in the mandalorian show itself that i don't i don't know where they'd be able to fit it in yeah but she's problematic in the the social media sphere, and we don't need to you know delve yeah. into all that. But it's you know I I think even if there were plans to make her a focal figure of it, I think that's probably gonna evolve. So in my head, yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. That, that could be why they if there's no promo materials for this, like no stills, no information yep. on who's in it. Maybe they were like last second. They're like 
maybe a month or two ago when all that stuff with her went down on Twitter, they were like, maybe we need to readjust how we're approaching this series and <laughs> kind of pull any promo stills we have for this or whatever. I would be fine if this series was like just those two pilots that we saw flying yes, around. And- totally. What if it was a buddy comedy? I want my buddy comedy. <laughs> Super troopers in the Star Wars universe and it's a bunch of X-Wing pilots. It'd be great. <laughs> We need it. Look, listen, if the Star Trek universe can get comedies, then the Star Wars universe can 100% do the same thing. Rangers of the New Republic should be a buddy comedy Super Troopers in, in the Star Wars universe. Love it. I, yeah. You said it. You put, yeah. I'm in. It's great. Like, so far, Solo has been the closest thing we've had to that. And I feel like they should like really fully embrace the, the comedic elements of that and go full bore. I, I love humor in the Star Wars universe. When when people get it right, it's amazing. And, and they, they nail it so well in The Mandalorian. And, and it's like, there's just so many comedic beats that are like they're not even like obviously they're not topical because it's in this fantasy universe and it's it's literally just situational comedy that is just done so well and you just it, it just makes you feel like you had thanksgiving dinner like you just feel like you know oh yes like i love i love all the playful interactions between mando and baby yoda and, and like that kind of that kind of stuff is, is just i don't know so I, I i would absolutely love to see more comedy in the star wars universe for sure I think one of my my favorite comedic characters in Star Wars is K2SO, yes. which brings us to the next announcement that they had, which is the Andor series, which is awesome. This is, you know, it's created by Tony Gilroy, who who comes from like a spy background. This is supposed to be a tense nail-baiting spy thriller from Tony Gilroy, who created like the Bourne series of movies, uh, which is great. Production began in November, so it just got started, and there's going to be 12 episodes in 2022. But you saw the sizzle reel on this, right? Like yeah. it says, pr- like production started in November 2020. Did you see all of those models? Oh, the sets, yeah, yeah, tons. Like new model creation, new species, um, lots of lots of new stuff coming for this. Like, there's no way they put that all together in a month. They've been planning this. They've had to have been doing this all year. You know, like all those, all that stuff. Yeah. Like maybe principal shooting started in November. Yeah. May I? I may have miswrote this down. Like they might have started filming in November. Yeah. I might have taken bad notes. I w- it was going pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but okay, so now we're getting this in 2022 is when Andor yeah. is coming out. Which is crazy because there's stuff that's not even in production yet that's going to be released before Andor. But but that's cool to me because they're obviously putting a lot of work into it from that sizzle reel. I like, I'm just like blown away. It looks like, do you know, you know what I always thought about? Were you guys fans of the the show Lost? Yeah. I wasn't. Okay. Well, if you'll, if you'll indulge me. <laughs> it was bad. No, I'm <laughs> no, kidding. It w- um, no, I, I just never watched it. So I, I loved the show, uh, and it was great. The production value at the beginning of the show was just amazing. And then, you know, the constraints of TV budgets were s- such that they moved the whole show into the pe- the people on the island living in a cave, which was a set, uh, just because of, you know, production costs. And it, it always occurred to me, you know, from that point on where I'm watching a television show or I hear rumblings of a television show that, oh, this could be so cool if it was in this big open world, but it's going to be confined because of the budget. But looking at this, so back to Star Wars, looking at this sizzle reel for uh, for Andor, it just makes me so excited because it's like they're they're pulling all the stops, like they're going buck wild, like the creatures that they're building, the sets, the models. It's like this is a golden age, like a new thing where like when we see a, a Star Wars show, it's going to be you know at the level of or even better than what we've seen in cinemas. I'm I'm so so excited. Do you remember back in the, like, I think it was right around the time of the prequel trilogy finishing up, there was rumors of, like, a WB series yeah. of, like, Padme Amidala on Alderaan yeah. or whatever. Like, that was going to be, like, a 
teen oh. drama type thing. And like, you know, when I, whenever I heard Star Wars series, all I could think about was like the proposed ideas and like the idea that the Clone Wars had to be animated yep. and because, you know, they couldn't do the things they wanted to do in with live action. And, you know, if you think more about what they want to do with Clone Wars, like they, like nowadays, if like say the prequel trilogy had just finished up and they're like, well, we want to explore more of the Clone Wars. They probably would have just done the Clone Wars, you know, without, with live action. I feel like they, they might've had to make some sacrifices and compromises in terms of the stories they could tell and the amount of episodes per season. But I feel like it would have been more of like a, a feasible idea yeah. to do a live action Clone Wars type thing. I agree. And we're and, and we're about to see that stuff. Like, that's what's so exciting about these announcements. Yeah. I, I'm just like, it's still just like blowing my mind, like catching up to this is actually going to happen. We are going to see this in our lifetime. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Did you guys see the, the cast list for this? I have it in the notes here, but you know, Diego Luna is coming back uh, as the, the main character. Jabba. Um, Stellan Skarsgård is going to be in this, which I'm so oh stoked my gosh. for. I love him. That's um, that's Professor Lambeau. That's awesome. Yeah. Gene- Genevieve O'Reilly is reprising Mon Mothma. She, you know, she played that character in Rogue One to, to amazing effect. I mean, the similarity between her and the original actress are, is just uncanny. So I'm excited about this cast and just the, the idea of getting like a, a true you know, spy thriller. Like we, I think everybody on this call love rogue one. Yeah. Like really, really fantastic movie. Very surprising. Um, great characters. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm excited for this. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I didn't, I didn't get a K2SO vibes from this teaser. It was, was there really anything? We got to think about where K2 came from and like, I think mm. K2 was a, he was an Imperial droid repurposed. We don't know his timeline. He appears True. in like the Battlefront 2, I think, DLC, like yeah. the VR yep. thing or something like that. So, I mean, he's around at a certain point, but may, I mean, I feel like a big plot point of the season in the same way Solo was like a big plot point was encountering Chewbacca for the first time. I feel right. like a, a big piece of this could be, you know, getting K2SO and reprogramming him. You know, they're going to do like the typical Marvel, like, oh, Cassian has to fight K2SO before he turns him into his, <laughs> yeah. his colleague or something like that. You know, it's it's a very, it's established plot device and we got to see it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would have, I, I hear where you're coming from though. I would have appreciated a teaser you know like yeah <laughs> but, but it's weird to kind of make the whole series about like because like all they would have to do is like fade to black and like slowly have like i don't know a metal catwalk or something and then like the droid feet w- like walking across it then slowly pan up and it's k2's like and then just some tudic line just really <laughs> smart ass thing that he yeah. says and then like the crowd goes wild at the convention and everyone's freaking out because k2 is back and then they realize wait a second we're making a tv show and like the biggest hype around this is is the robot, the comedic, the relief. droid. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like imagine art. Imagine C three PO like featuring prominently in a Star Wars trailer. It just, I it's can't a imagine different it. thing. Like I <laughs> yeah. think the the love and adoration for K two is much different than it is for C three PO. We all have a fondness for C three PO and his personality, <laughs> but K two S O is is really one special droid. Yeah, he just gets it done. <laughs> I also have thought about this and assumed that, you know, the series is going to start when uh, K2 is still um, a uh, an Empire droid. Uh, but I'm I'm so curious if his sense of humor is going to be intact before he's reprogrammed. Like, is he a f***ing funny, like, wise-ass when he's still, <laughs> before he gets reprogrammed? Or is that something that happened as a result of him getting changed? So I, it'd be pretty funny if he's, you know, an antagonist at first, but he's still a d- <laughs> like, I would, I would love it. K2SO was always a sassy b- 
Oh, man. As someone who was texted very frequently after Rogue One came out and people being like, hey, when did you have time to go film this movie? Um, <laughs> I, I'm really, I really do appreciate that Cassian is getting uh, seen again and you know, my, my inbox will be blowing up again with uh, lookalike questions. Your girlfriend has to be stoked. Yeah, I mean, she, she's it's her favorite character. <laughs> she had it's she has my bobblehead, like my my Funko Pop by her desk. <laughs> you guys have seen like the supercut of him talking about Jabba, right? No. Oh yeah, where he just wants to touch Jabba. It's so cute. He's obsessed with Jabba. Like he goes on different talk shows and he'll be on Colbert or Kimmel or whatever, and and they're like, "So I hear you you have this thing for Jabba." He's like, oh, "I love Jabba." <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an interesting character, and. Uh... I don't know, that texture of, of his skin is just something that obsesses me. Yaba. I, I've always wanted to touch him. I, like, the texture of Yaba is something I, I need to discover. And then I'm obsessed with the texture of Yaba. You never dreamed about touching Yaba. I mean, it must be quite disgusting. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yaba, come on. Touching his, you know, like his belly. <laughs> like. Oh, I'm so tempted. Java, I want to touch Java. I know it sounds gross, but uh, it might be delicious. <laughs> he's like, I want to touch Java, and and then you, there's like a hundred clips of him talking to di in different interviews about how he's obsessed with Java. Like, it, it'll be really funny if they're able to insert some sort of a a gag where he, he at oh least like comes across a hut of some kind or something. Like that would be pretty amazing. 100. percent That's in his writer for the show. Like part of his contract says he needs to be able to feel. Jabba. He's so enthusiastic. <laughs> He's so enthusiastic about Star yeah, yeah. Wars. I I love that about him. It's like there's a childlike wonder when you see him talk about Star Wars and it's like, oh God, I get goosebumps like seeing him. He's like a kid when he's at the, in the set and he's like, oh my God, look at all this stuff. It's so cool. Love to see it. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate like the also like the diversity aspect of it yeah. too. Like he was very forward about like, you know, a Mexican as a lead in, in Star yep. Wars. Like this is a huge deal for me and this is a huge deal for the Mexican people and like I totally agree with that, and I just I love that he gets his own series now. It's just it's important in in a lot of different ways. In the way like a lot of the Marvel announcements were this year. I mean, yeah. To touch on that topic, I I that's another thing I was just blown away by, and so just encouraged by with this announcement is that like you know more often than not in all these different series and projects coming up, you know, there's there's people of color that are involved in the production development, directing, starring in. There's there's female leads. There's It's just, it, it, it's, you know, people talk about Disney like it's like this, you know, the, our evil overlord mass conglomerate of entertainment and stuff. But I'm like, if this is the future of that, then more power to them. Like, let me sign up somewhere because this is, you know, they are, they are doing more for, you know, just normalizing diversity than anyone else I can think of right now. I mean, they're, they're like leading the way. I, I love, I love them. So <laughs> I, I've, I've thought that way about Pixar for a really long time. You know, they've done a really good job of, of bringing us stories from different points of view and from different cultures and seeing that sort of explored throughout the, you know, the live action space as well is it's important and it's encouraging to see. Yeah. So to move on from that to a series about some white guys. Let's talk about a show <laughs> with a Scottish white dude. <laughs> Kenobi. Um, the long-rumored Kenobi series has been officially announced. Uh, Ewan McGregor Woo! will return. And to much everybody's surprise, so will Hayden Christensen. Yes. See, okay, so you told me this, and I was like, how? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I think Bobby and I maybe talked about this offline too, but like the, the assumption is that, that Hayden Christensen will be reply, reprising his role as 
Darth Vader, um, which is weird because, you know, generally there are two people playing Darth Vader at any one time. It's the person who's in the suit, who is doing all of the, the physical acting. And then there is the voice, which is, you know, historically, traditionally been James Earl Jones. So what does this mean? <laughs> what is what is his role here? I'm really confused in general about the teaser. I've watched like two of them, I think, on YouTube, and I couldn't tell if some of them were fan edits or something like that. Yes. When I, I just went into YouTube and I couldn't tell. And there's like this voiceover happening. And I was like, that doesn't sound like Hayden Christensen. Who is who? Do you know who's doing the voiceover? No. So I, as far as I'm aware, there's only one teaser and it's basically just the logo. Am I, am oh, I wrong, so what Bobby? is all this stuff I'm else? seeing of like Ewan McGregor watching, walking around in in a desert and stuff? Is it's that fan, all fan? fan stuff. Oh, this is that's old. That's edited from like another movie that he did. Yeah, that we saw what? that forever ago. When they first, when the first rumors came around for a Kenobi series, or perhaps fans were trying to manifest it by creating <laughs> these, you know, fanned sizzle reels. Um, yeah, if you look like the the footage of him walking through a desert, um, that is from a a different movie that he was in i can't remember which it's one, all but I've, fake I've seen that a couple, yes it's fake. i'm losing my mind right now dude i had to prep for this episode and i was just watching bullshit trailers <laughs> you're watching this is infuriating yes. edits, dude they got me so good they got me so good the quote-unquote teaser that they put out is literally it's just a bunch of sand wiping across a black screen and it manifests itself into the Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi uh, logo. That's it. That's all we got. <laughs> Which is enough for me. So the, so, so all of my talk about this has just been, all of my preparation has been like the visual style of the show and the look of Kenobi and, and like, oh, the voiceover. That's like Hayden Christensen returns and where is he in the trailer? And I'm just like, so that was all based on a lie. The internet got me <laughs> he's like what oh i'm so upset i have to leave the call i need to leave the call right now mike this is rumor control here are the facts um, oh, kenobi series is directed by deborah chow who we know directed some episodes of the mandalorian yep. uh, production begins in march of 2021 the series is set 10 years after revenge of the sith and for context because i know that the timeline is very confusing for us on every episode of the show, uh, this is seven years before Maul finds and f- confronts Kenobi. Yep. But Maul was in the stupid teaser I watched. <laughs> it was a live action Maul and he walked oh. out and he did the lights. Oh God, I'm still in denial oh, about this. So I just sad. don't know what to do, it's so man. sad. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, a lot of questions on this. Um, you know, this takes place 10 years into, into Anakin being Vader. Um, and to, you know, presumably Ewan McGregor hiding out on, on, Tatooine and I think Bobby were you watching the the presentation as it went or did you watch any playback of it or was I the only person watching it live I, I just watched little bits and pieces uh as they would pop up on Twitter so I wasn't watching it live gotcha. um I'm not sure if Kathleen Kennedy actually said a whole lot more on this I thought that she said something about like an actual confrontation between uh Obi-Wan Kenobi and and Obi-Wan or Obi-Wan Kenobi and and Darth Vader which I think is weird um I'm not sure how that's gonna work presumably that means that obi-wan left tatooine to confront vader elsewhere right because otherwise he it would mean that vader had come to tatooine and would have presumably sensed the presence of luke like i think we know canonically and mike you can help me with this because i know you've read the comics vader vader came back to tatooine to follow the trail of of luke right like he found out about luke yeah which led him back to tatooine that's something that actually happened right yep I think in the first Vader series, right? That's correct. Do you remember when that was set? 
post um, New Hope. Post post New post Hope. Post New Hope. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. This is weird. If there's actually going to be a confrontation between them, um, I don't know. They didn't. They said this was a special event series, which you know, which is actually different than what they said for the rest of them. They said limited series for most of these. Yeah. Special event series tells me this is like maybe an episode or two. Four parter. It's gonna be six episodes. Oh, okay. Cool. So a little bit less than like our standard season of uh, of Mandalorian. Well, I did read that um, they they will face off in this series. So, uh, so and I I'm not sure if Kathleen Kennedy said that or if Ewan McGregor said it. Uh, but um, that's that's what what I understand. Which I'm I just it, it is so it, in canon. You know, it, it is kind of like the comic books are fantastic. By the way, like the the Vader the multiple Vader series, the Star Wars series. Um, I highly recommend reading them. Um, but it's you know you think about when Vader and Obi Wan uh, face each other in A New Hope, and the, their dialogue and it makes it seem like the last time they saw each other was on Mustafar. But that's apparently not going to be the case. But I think there's room for that kind of stuff, you know, like when, right? you know, with what what has happened with the Clone Wars series and Rebels, uh, you know, where in Rebels, when Ahsoka faces off with Vader and realizes it's Anakin, I mean, that's some of the most powerful stuff I've ever seen in the Star Wars canon. I mean, it's incredible. So I think there's opportunity for expanding those kind of things, even if they they do, I don't know, say retcon, but like uh, flex stuff a little bit, bend stuff a little bit to make it work. Because I I would absolutely love to see that. I would love to see it. Yeah, it's it's strange. I think about that that confrontation between Ahsoka and Vader as well, because, you know, that that those couple of episodes, that whole arc set up a lot of stuff, right? Like Ezra goes with Maul to that planet and then Ahsoka's there and then Vader's there. It's like, there were a lot of important people on that planet at one time. And so while Ahsoka is sort of, um, distracting Vader and, and letting the rest of them escape, it's not long after that, that Maul goes and confronts Kenobi. So with this timeline that they're establishing here of 10 years after revenge of the Sith, yep. It, it's it's confusing. It's like, okay, so, so Vader and Obi-Wan did face off. He knows that Obi-Wan is out there, which means that he was probably hunting him in some way, and so was Maul, and and Maul was just a little bit late to the take um, <laughs> and, and ended up meeting his demise. But yeah, this this whole timeline is, is interesting to me, and it begs a lot of questions because of where Obi-Wan is supposed to be, as far as we know, and where Vader is not supposed to be, which is Tatooine. So I don't... I don't know. I got questions on this one. Big time questions. I think when we have that scene where um, where Obi-Wan is telling Luke that Darth Vader killed his father in A New Hope, I feel like this series' aim is to sort of reinforce that statement and why he says it. And I forget what other dialogue goes in around that, talking about like his dad. But like I, I think before that, we assume that Obi-Wan got what he knew about Vader through the force or something like that. And, and what, you know, Vader has been up to and and those kind of things. I feel like this series is going to probably take Kenobi off world uh, off of tattooing that is and interact with Vader so that when he does have that conversation ultimately with Luke on tattooing, it's going to be an informed conversation where he's, He's, uh, where he has a reason to say that, you know, your father is not Darth Vader, or your father was killed by Vader. And I forget when he says he's more machine than man now. That's probably later on, right? 
but you know, like basically when you just, it, it's going to make it a more informed conversation is really what I'm getting at. For sure. And, and I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe we see Obi-Wan go to Dagobah. Maybe we see, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. I, uh, you know, I was always had it fixed in my head that Obi-Wan sat, in the desert for <laughs> 20 years or so just waiting for Luke yeah. to grow up. Yeah, he had to lay low. He had to he had to avoid the the order 66 or whatever and he had to just look out f- like the ultimate thing he did like espionage is just not an option if he's trying to just protect a protect a child and b just not get assassinated. So it just it seems counterintuitive that he would leave so I imagine a big thing is in the writers are trying to accomplish is giving him a compelling reason to get off planet uh, and away from Luke and uh, also for him to understand what Vader is. Because the last he sees is he sees Anakin crawling up and begging or yelling that he hates Obi-Wan still. And that's where he leaves him, like a charred mess of a man. So he, I, I mean, maybe unless he communicates through the Force or something, he wouldn't know what became of Darth Vader or Anakin or, or anything. Like he left him for dead. But he's clearly aware of what Vader is because he lies to Luke exactly. about it. So that this is probably going to be filling in the blanks there. But you know that that's something that they've done. You know, which has expanded my you know scope and understanding of how many Jedi and Gray Jedi and Jedi adjacent Force users were floating around the galaxy during the original trilogy. Because you assume that there, you know the. Order 66, Vader hunting down the rest, um, you know, that there's just no nobody out there. But then and, and reading the comics, you know, you, you see a lot of force users out there and and there's there is a lot of room for it, especially in Rebels. You know, you, Ezra and Kanan and, um, you know, there's and, you know, Ahsoka's out there and there's all this stuff. And I think that there's a whole wide world of, uh, you know, experience out there that, you um, you know, Obi-Wan can get up to and be meddling around. He was yeah. a little bit of a meddler. <laughs> so I guess, like you said, we kind of assume that he was just a hermit for all of those years, right? Between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, he was just he was just on Tatooine. So the last thing that we actually saw of Obi-Wan was him dropping off Luke with Owen and Beru. Yeah. I think that was the the last shot that we yeah, actually saw. Nobody says he stayed on yeah. planet. Right. It, it might actually be safe to assume that in order to draw, you know, to, to keep attention away from Luke, he would want to leave the planet for a time because it's not yeah. like he immediately shut himself off from the force. Right. Mm. So he probably, maybe he, he goes off and he's, you know, he's doing what he can to try to save other Jedi during, you know, order 66 and, and those that are on the run for a time before he returns um, because there's, there's nothing else that he could have done. And he shuts himself off from the force in order to, to save Luke. It, it would make sense to me that he probably wouldn't want to be there, um, at least right away. Maybe yeah, he needed right a reason to come back and watch over yeah. Luke uh, yeah. after whatever happens in Kenobi. I mean, I see this series as a character study opportunity and specifically to explore Obi-Wan leaving Anakin for dead and to sh- to like more... I, it's weird, I guess, when this happens to villains, but to humanize Vader more. Um, yeah. Because I think the biggest disconnect in Star Wars is is trying to imagine Anakin inside that Darth Vader costume. Yeah. Um, and now that I know that all the visual stuff that I perceived in those fake trailers is not real, <laughs> basically anything's back on the table again. So what I'm imagining Anakin, uh, or sorry, Hayden Christensen's involvement to be is uh, Tony Stark Iron Man style uh, with a H- with like the heads up display kind of thing that they invented for Iron I Man. I love that. That's um, a where great it idea. Has his, yeah, what if it just has his, like, what if it's him acting 
a lot of what if a big component of just him acting in like a dark room with lights on his face with his charred and messed up face just <laughs> it would be really fun to kind huh. of get that but i think it would wow. be really cool to kind of explore his like his actual emotions under that helmet and what he's feeling like about obi-wan because i think the comics you get a little bit of that you get yeah. a little bit of his humanity yeah. underneath the machine of him and this is going to give a live action opportunity for that like and so that's what i'm really looking forward to about this is like if, if hayden is really stepping back into this role we're gonna get to see sort of the the gray area in anakin and obi-wan's relationship and maybe some remorse and you know a more of that emotion that you saw from ewan mcgregor when he's like you know i loved you you're my brother and how could you do this kind of thing? Uh, we get to see them hash that out. Dude, you just you good. just like made me do like an Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> like, like I was like really into it. Like that's thinking of like. Well, that's what you made me they? do when you told me the trailers were fake. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you really, you really brought me to that understanding. <laughs> that's incredible. I love, I would watch that Vader series if they, they, you, they need, you need to talk to, to Lucasfilm. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I've been I've been saying I trust me me and Jake have been trying to convince Lucasfilm to let us in <laughs> to the the planning rooms for a while now. It's <laughs> actually it's a not lot a bad idea for a podcast trilogy. either. Like uh like you know Vader's audio diary. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> With the, but what you have to do you have to have James Earl Jones do it. You know? The Jedi are trying to yeah. hold me back. I miss I'm, my wife. I'm too powerful. <laughs> I, oh Padme. <laughs> Thought oh, about Padme. Padme today. Got some sand on me and I still hate it. I'm so sad. <laughs> the air is really bad in my hibernation pod. <laughs> the stormtroopers keep leaving bags of sand around to bug me. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> Dude, I was uh I, I can't I can't move past this, you know, the Vader stuff without mentioning Matt Lanter who uh voiced um Anakin on the Clone Wars because I, I was always hoping he would have an opportunity to to rejoin the fold and stuff because I just thought he did such a great job. And uh but it thinking of Anakin and Vader as a human being, I it feels and this is what I brought up earlier, you know, where the the transition and the the kind of cognitive dissonance of trying to say Anakin equals Vader when they feel like two very, very separate entities and we don't see how A gets to B. Um, I think like correcting that over the course of the series could be just monumental for, you know, uh, Star Wars and, you know, Anakin to Vader making so much more sense for people. Yeah, especially because the first introduction you get to Anakin in the Vader suit is just him yelling yeah. a, a hilarious no. <laughs> you know, I think that's it's definitely an example, like a way to write yep. that in terms yep. of like seriousness and, and everything. Um, speaking of Matt Lanter, though, he shows up in Mandalorian. <gasps> I didn't know that. Did you just spoil me or is this earlier? No, no, no. This is not a spoiler. This is, this is you've already seen this. <gasps> what, what episode is he in? Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but he isn't he the one who Bill Burr uh, murders on that space station? He's the New Republic soldier. Shut up! I'm gonna go back and watch it now. I love him. He was in this. Yeah. He was in this t- chapter six, the prisoner. He was in this uh, time travel television series that I just loved. Uh, I cannot recall. Timeless. Timeless. That's that's it, right? Where they they it's 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 a lot like sliders. They basically bounce around through time solving crimes or something i don't know but but i was like i was like I, I like this guy and then i realized that he was the voice of anakin and i was like oh my god i love him <laughs> so i have to go back and watch that episode yeah. six i'll check it out yeah yeah matt lanter grew up 20 minutes from my house <gasps> you guys are like you guys are homies 
We're basically best friends. We were born 10 years apart, but yeah, we're, we're basically really tight. I love it. <laughs> so moving on, uh, let's talk about some animated stuff because there was a lot of cool animation stuff. We'll get, we'll get back to the live action because, I, I mean, there was a lot more live action than I would have expected. But um, currently in production, there's the Bad Batch which is the Clone Wars spinoff. So at the end of the series, we actually did get a little bit of the the Bad Batch. Um, those were some of those lost episodes, the ones that were unproduced for a very long amount of time. Yep. Um, we got introduced to those characters. Apparently, they were popular enough to get their own series. Uh, I thought they were they're fine. I guess it makes sense because they are you know they're clones, but they're like they're basically like the reject clones. There was something a little off about each of them, but it also gave them all very specific sets of skills. I don't have a ton to say on this. Like I love Clone Wars. Uh, I liked their arc uh i wasn't like super attached to them i was really more looking forward to the other way the other characters and and their stores being closed off at the end of that series primarily ahsoka um so yeah this this is coming i think it's coming soon i I didn't get a date to write down but i think this was supposed to start coming out next year i could be wrong i think in the teaser at the end it says 2021 i forget i have a question though is the bad batch bad or good are we looking at like a bad batch of (laughs) clones that are fighting against the newly formed empire are we looking at a bad batch of empire people fighting against the rebels i, so I don't you know haven't where we finished are in this clone wars right you haven't finished those episodes mm, i guess i didn't see the uh the, the recent series yeah yeah so they're good um they're they're just clones but they're like a called the they're like batch. a special ops group um because they all have those like special abilities because of their uh i'm not even gonna say like deformities deformities they were just they're clones that didn't turn out quite like the other ones. So they're all a little bit special. They get to wear their own uniforms and yeah, they, they just call themselves the bad batch. Oh, that's cool. I should watch that, huh? <laughs> you should. That's something good to look forward to. Um, I don't, I don't know how much is coming of that. I really don't know much. They didn't actually say a whole lot about the bad batch during this thing. We already knew that this was coming. I was expecting a little bit more info. Um, but any notes on that before we, we talk about the, the other series? No. I, 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 I have, I have probably the same amount of ambivalence towards it as I can tell from your voice because I, you know, I loved the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch uh, yeah. episodes started happening and I was like, Ugh. like I, I just I don't yeah it was, it was like it was fine I don't care about these clones that have superpowers you know like I, I just that's not interesting to me right. uh, you know I, I, I don't know so I, when I saw this I was like Ugh. but the 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 sizzle reel trailer thing was looked pretty cool and the only thing I was really interested in was seeing more of Palpatine post you know face zap when he was fighting Mace Windu and him actually like addressing the Republic and and all that kind of stuff like that's fascinating to me so having kind of like a yeah. fly on the wall view of that stuff happening is interesting to me but I really don't care about the the Bad Batch guys I'm sure it's going to be good I'm sure it's going to be good but <laughs> right now I'm just like eh, well, all right I'll check it out <laughs> out, of, out of everything in this batch it's probably like one of the lowest things on the list uh, agree <laughs> would you say it's the the bad batch you know it's part of the bad batch no um but it's a uh, i mean the action at least looks good yeah. you know and i'm hoping that they do more they're probably going to explore more of the mocap stuff that they were doing in the the recent season of clone yeah. wars that i was seeing like special featurettes on like it's it's probably just going to be a more advanced clone wars is what i'm thinking which is going to be nice 
the other animated series that I was actually really excited about is called Visions. Mm-hmm. And this is a short series of anime films that are actually being produced by some of the top anime houses in Japan. Um, this is where I started to feel a little bit better about the amount of things that they were producing at one time. Cause this is something that they just completely farm out. Like they give the okay for a bunch of these ideas, but they're able to just say like, yeah, you guys just go ahead and, and create these things. And, uh, and they, you know, Lucasfilm really doesn't have probably a whole lot to do with it beyond, um, giving the okay for these stories yeah so i'm excited for this i like anime uh i love star wars i love when these things meet like there have been anime films over time uh remember that tie fighter anime that came out yeah. years ago on on yeah, youtube great. Yep. that was awesome i would love to see something more like that um i would also like to see some more like i don't know like traditional jedi slash shinto sort of um like old school anime but set in the the Star Wars universe. I think something like that would be really neat. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we're going to get some mech stuff. Uh, I don't know. What are some other anime cliches that we can tie into (laughs) Star Wars? Um, But yeah, this is coming out in 2021. So we're going to get this pretty soon. And then Lando is this is I didn't realize this was an animated thing. It is not. not. No, I just I wrote these down in order of their announcement, oh, okay. um, which it seems kind of went in order of how much they had to say about it <laughs> to some degree. I see. Uh, yeah, Lando, it's being developed by Justin Simeon from Dear White People. Uh, not a whole lot else going on with this so far. It looks like they just started production. On they're this. being very ambiguous. Do we get Donald Glover is the question. Yeah, that's the thing, because they're they're being very ambiguous where people are asking, is it is it Donald Glover? Is it Billy Dee Williams? Is it another actor? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they could get Billy D. Williams for this. Like, I think he's just, he had a hard enough time doing Rise of Skywalker that, like, you know, getting around and moving and like, carrying an entire series would be probably pretty difficult for him. There was rumor about a Lando series a while ago, and donald glover you know reprising his role so i don't know there hasn't been an official announcement but i think it seems likely it's must watch if it's if donald glover's i mean it's like it's probably the marquee you know series if it's if it's donald glover in there i mean the did did you guys read the lando comic books yeah Yeah. god they were amazing (laughs) like that that, yeah i I love lobot Lobot is so good. Lobot's incredible. Like, but like the, the heists, the, you know, the, the little, you know, Lando doesn't seem too particularly interested in the lore, you know, going on with like all these Sith artifacts and all this stuff, but it's like, it's all there, you know, it's like, you're like, oh my God, this is so cool. And he's pulling off a heist and like hooking up with chicks and stuff and like doing Lando stuff (laughs) and just being a scoundrel. But like, you know, there's like all this other stuff going on on the side too, where it's like, it's this. It's the, there's something for everyone in the Lando series, so I, I cannot wait for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to explore. I, I would assume if, you know, if they don't have Clover locked down right now, um, the reason they didn't announce it is because they're in negotiations on pay. <laughs> so we'll see. Want more Atlanta. Yeah. Selfishly, yeah. I just kind of want more of that, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, the next, the next series that they announced was called the Acolyte. And this one, seems really interesting to me. This is the one that's being directed by Leslie Headland. Uh, we'll know her from her work on Russian doll, which I know Mike and I really enjoyed. Uh, the, the byline for this is, is that it's a, a mystery thriller that will take viewers into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the high Republic area. That's your thing, man. The High Republic. <laughs> yeah, the thing that nobody knows anything about. The books haven't even come out yet. Yeah. There's a rumor of a TV show. 
getting set in the High Republic era for you know a little while, as long as that announcement for the books has been around. I feel like they can't really say a whole lot about this until those books are out because there's nothing. There's nothing on the High Republic at all. Yeah. Like we we know still just as much as we did a couple months ago, except for the I guess they did put out some chapters of of one of the books, which I'm trying to avoid. But yeah, in January, the books will be delivering. The comics will start coming out. So we're going to learn a little bit more about this point in time that takes place again. This is like several hundred years prior to the events of the Phantom Menace. So this is, you know, there's going to be some Jedi action, but it's going to be set further back in time. This might be the most exciting to me. I'm still excited about all of that. I I love the idea of, you know, the acolyte is a, a term that's been used throughout Star Wars in the past few years, you know, Sith acolytes and um, just the the whole idea of like this kind of shadowy secret um, something, you know, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot that this could be. And I think that's why I'm most excited about it, because I, I love Star Wars when there are questions and and holes and 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 lore. And this seems like this is going to tickle a lot of those buttons. It's nice that they can explore hmm. something that doesn't have uh conclusions that we're aware of involved. You know, I, I think about Andor, which I'm very excited for. Love Diego Luna, love Rogue One, very excited about it. But we know right. where that character meets his end, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> and so we know his fate really isn't in question. It's more about like, well, what's his journey getting there? And that's that's interesting in and of its own. This is exciting because we don't know what happened. And the final days of the High Republic, <laughs> like what does that mean? Like, you know, is this the emergence of dark side, you know, dark force wielders uh does that play a a role in the unraveling of the high republic uh, you know as it did in the unraveling of the republic that that we're familiar with um that kind of stuff sounds really fascinating to me and and that there's just question marks everywhere it's not like we don't know where it goes so i'm I'm very excited for this yeah like again because we don't know the timeline uh we don't know exactly like which sith would have been necessarily at power at the time. Yeah. Um, we can we can definitely say it's not Palpatine. He wouldn't have been old enough. Uh, but it could be Plagueis. It could be Torvalum. Um, you know, we don't know. Like we could get some Torvalum canonization here, Mike. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> do you think? Uh, do you think that we see possibly Yoda? Is it, Yoda would be alive at this point, right? Yeah, Yoda would be alive. He would not be as young as Baby Yoda. So it would be like yeah, <laughs> teenage to young adult Yoda. Yeah. When he's still a whippersnapper. Dude, just thirst Yoda. He's going to be like all ripped and just like, <laughs> just just hooking up. <laughs> he's like, sup, what's up? <laughs> so many possibilities. Getting to see an uns- like a Yoda who's not all wise and knowing would be really exciting, actually. Yeah. Dude, you keep bringing up cool things I hadn't thought of. Like a Yoda that's still figuring it out and is wrong about stuff at times. That's really cool. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> you should hear all my other terrible ideas in this <laughs> podcast series. Finally, somebody on this podcast that likes Mike's takes. <laughs> this is great. I love it. Yeah, if you go back through our entire catalog, you'll just hear a collection of Jake just hating everything i'm saying it's awesome i like this um that you know obviously they put a lot of time into these it's one sentence that they used to describe the whole show this is all we know about it and that they say it's a mystery thriller like that's fascinating to me because we haven't seen that we've seen it in some clone wars episodes um you know uh, i can't remember the name of the episode but the, the whole actually the run of episodes where they're discovering the um the chip in their head that that brings about order 66 um and what a mm-hmm. crazy paranoid thriller that all was and that was fascinating to me it was like oh wow they're taking it 
in a different direction, kind of like what Winter Soldier did in the MCU, you know, where it, 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 it made a political thriller out of a Marvel movie where it's like, oh, I thought this was just superheroes beating each other up, but they made a political thriller. That's cool to me. And I... I'm very excited that they're going to explore some different genres with some of these new shows, like a mystery thriller. Like I think of like, you know, a show like house of cards where there's insidious political machinations going on that are Machiavellian and just so fascinating. Like if, if we could see that stuff play out and not be, not come across so ham fisted, like some of the political uh, depictions from the prequel trilogy. Like, I think, I think that would be really, really neat. So I'm very excited for this. Well, no, I agree. I mean, it's it's. I liked your idea a lot about how like the emergence of this, like the dark side or something like that. Like this could be, like just a really great leg of, you know, giving informing us. Like I love lore, mm-hmm. and the word acolyte just just evokes this huge sense of lore for me. And like the idea that like this could give us a lot of the backstory that I've been like sort of thirsting for since, you know, since starting Star Wars as a kid. It's it's a good idea, I think. I, I think I'm equally as excited for the possibility of this, you know, when it says emerging dark side powers, that playing into the Palpatine side of things. Like, again, we what we did get in, in the final film was that really the Skywalker arc was just as much a Palpatine arc. So this could very well play into the beginning of that, but it could also play into something completely different and open us up to entirely new possibilities, which seems mm. to be what this whole high Republic era is supposed to be about. This is a new era of star Wars that is presumably, it doesn't touch anything that we already know. That's why they set it so far back in time, not as far back as the old Republic, but at least a little further back than the Skywalker (laughs) saga. So yeah, lots of possibilities. I'm very excited for that. A little less excited for a droid story. (laughs) They're doing this again. God. Yeah. (laughs) I was texting Mike about this and, and sending him some screenshots from the investor call when he, he what did you did you like call this straight up like didn't you just say like i feel like this they're just gonna do another droid show well that sort of when you said like w- when you voiced your initial concerns about the idea of there being like 11 new star wars things coming out i was like i mean half of them will probably be like droids level like animated <laughs> series and i was wrong about that but i was not wrong in the sense that they are trying a droids thing again so this is an animated series about r2 and c3po it's a it's a combined effort between ILM and Star Wars animation. So it's not going to be like a, it's not like drawn animation. It's going to be another you know, 3D sort of thing. But yeah, ILM seems to be pretty involved in this, which could be interesting. It's a, it's a different style than we're used to with maybe like the Clone Wars or, um, or Rebels yeah. even. So I don't know, could be, could be cool. But again, like this seems like so low stakes and just sort of like a, a small thing. It's like an easy thing to, to put on a streaming service like Disney plus. It's probably, probably geared more towards kids, but. Anthony Daniels needs that needs that green man. <laughs> needs that cheddar. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking this is probably more aimed at kids and stuff. And uh, like I, I could, I just really don't have a lot of enthusiasm for this thing. Um, and it, I, but one of the things I was reading in the tag about it was uh, that they they take a new hero under their w- wings or droid parts or whatever. Hmm. <laughs> so like I don't, you know, I don't know if that means. I mean, I'm assuming. They're, yeah, so we don't know what happens with, with Ezra Bridger, you know, it's like, if if he if he's somehow involved in this, that changes the whole thing, uh, like, I would be, like, super, super stoked and excited to see this, but, like, if this is some, I don't know, just kitty droid thing with a new young kid hero, I'm just like, oh, God, just shoot it into the sun. I wonder if it's even going to have that. 
Like I, I oh, feel like film, this is gonna be so. Oh, it is. No, it's it. Oh, I yeah. thought it was animated. It's animated. The tweet, the, the it's animated, but it's a it's an adventure film. It says. Huh. Oh, interesting. Okay, well that's fine. Yeah, I don't know if if they'll have like a you know like a new kid or something that they have to latch onto, or if it's seriously just going to be about R two and C three PO sort of on some sort of of mission. I like, um, I don't think but they when announced. When does it take place? Yeah, they didn't announce when it takes place. <laughs> so this could. So be that's like, interesting to me because we have no movement from the end of Rise of Skywalker, right? There's nothing canonically. No books have come out that give us post you know fall of the final nope. order and i what if this is the first movement in that direction and we get and we get like the first hint oh, of what's to come this is the first post rise of skywalker thing we oh get. god or it's going to take place in between um revenge of the sith and a new hope maybe i don't know my feeling is that this will have like no real bearing on any of any story like i think like this is this could take place really at any point and it doesn't really maybe matter as much i think this is just a very um low stakes easy to produce sort of i they're probably and it's probably just an excuse for ilm and star wars animation to like flex some new stuff you know this is like a a way for them to to try out some new things in the way that they have with vr animation and um, you know all the different like labs technologies that they've been developing over the past few years what that's what when you said ILM in this like that my my ears kind of perked up because they're like well they wouldn't just be getting involved in I mean a dumb kids like thing, a little yeah. animated show yeah like but they they, they probably but they would. there's a reason why they're coming into this you know I mean don't forget Mike that that Battlefront short that or the Squadron short that you like so much that was, was ILM yeah yeah it was ILM yeah and it's weird that they're taking two of the most stiff characters in the entire Star Wars universe and like dedicating an entire like legion of of the the you know the most talented animators in all of hollywood you know it's like a it's a it's a weird idea and i'm i'm more curious about it than anything well i i think maybe they still feel so bad about even having a, a script produced where one of them was killed and the other one became a murderer that they they had to give them something nice god if i could just see that on the big screen i'd be happy bobby you should you should read it um or or listen to our episode on it but the the duel of fates script is is full of wild stuff yeah i haven't finished it yet uh i just started dabbling in it the other day thank you for sending me that by the way you're like my my dealer it's real good (laughs) (laughs) give me my fix i got this i got this pdf for you man (laughs) it's very uh it's very weird al in the white nerdy video when he like gets like a (laughs) like a, a back alley copy of the holiday special dude i love it it, Droid Story is an animated series, so it's, it's going to be a series. It right? is? I, yep. Well, I'm confused. I, I wrote in the notes that it was a series, but the tweet that I linked to does say adventure film. Yeah. Uh, I just read one article. Let's see. The, the streamer is developing a Droid Story featuring the duo. It will be an animated series produced by Lucasfilm Animation on ILM. Hmm. Well, we got some conflicting information, so we have no idea. <laughs> Star I mean, Wars, that could just be Star bad Wars reporting. Twitter said one thing. And, yeah. I don't know, depending on who's saying it. Yeah, and this is from Kathleen Kennedy. This epic journey will introduce us to a new hero guided by our most iconic duo on a secret mission only known to them. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> apparently. Like a <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's a good segue. I guess if we don't know if this is a, a series or a movie, that's fine. Um, because we we've run through all the TV shows, and and now it's time to talk about some of the movie announcements that they they had. So the first one that they sort of teased was that Taika Waititi has a movie in development. 
and that's basically all they said. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know anything about the the premise of it, the scope of it. I don't even think we know when they they plan for this to come out or when it's going to start filming. They just said that it's in development. Uh, they said that it's going to be an unforgettable ride, which I think is probably true. I, I click through this link and it's funny they hate they have a uh, tag and bink. <laughs> it's the first response. It would be cool to get a, a tag and bink movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? You guys like Taika, right? Love him. Yeah, he can he can really do no harm, I think. Yeah, that back to the, the the humor piece we were talking about earlier. It's like just injecting more of that and, you know, I think about like Rogue Rogue One, which to me is a very dark film and very grim and gritty and the the light that K2SO brings to it and just like what a highlight he is. Um it, which makes that I mean, the, the, I love that movie so much and because it 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 isn't all just one thing and it, you know, if if Taika Waititi can you know, bring some of his irreverent, absurdist humor in a way that really feels like Star Wars. Uh, I, <laughs> sign me up. Inject it into me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he did um, he did that one Thor movie that was good, right? Ragnarok. Yeah, Ragnarok. Outstanding. Yeah, he kind of, he, yeah, he really gave the whole, like, uh, defibrillator treatment to the Thor franchise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. I mean, the first, the first one was like, okay, fine i mean it has is natalie portman so i guess I'm, I'm cool with this and then the next one i remember just being so bad <laughs> that it took me two tries to finish and then the third one someone dragged me to the theater for that i had, really had no intention to see it but i loved it it was so much fun yeah i mean that is the ultimate gratifying theater experience because especially if you're not if you know you're if you're not like a fanboy or whatever and you see you saw the first two and you're just like begrudgingly going to see Ragnarok I can't imagine being disappointed unless you just hate you know action movies and comedy or whatever you know like you'd have yeah. to just dislike that stuff with some I have some friends that do and they hate they hated Ragnarok because they, but they also hate all Marvel movies <laughs> so it's not surprising but like if you are like open to Marvel movies and hated the first two Thors then then yeah it's like Taika Waititi is your your savior there in that case that's how I felt about Rise of Skywalker. I've just I've never been into this big uh, Star Wars thing, and I got dragged to Rise of Skywalker, and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? This is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it really just it renewed your faith in Star Wars. I was Wars, like, you know man. what? Maybe this thing. I'm so maybe, maybe Star Wars was right. You know, I was on the I, I was on the the prequel trilogy had me. You know, convinced that this couldn't be a good thing anymore. And, you know, re- re- rebooting the whole series with Force Awakens, I was still on the fence. And then when they threw everything out the window in Last Jedi, I was like, hey, could this be good? And then when they just drove a dagger into the heart of the franchise and kind of changed what it was all about um, <laughs> and kind of retconned everything that had come ahead, I, that really turned it around oh, for yeah. me. And I realized it's actually. Oh, yeah. Good. I was like, these guys, these guys are onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what I'm, I'm kind of hoping to get from this Taika Waititi movie. I really love The Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit. Like, they're both very, very good movies, and they're focused on kids. And I think he has mm. such a great grasp on on kids and their, you know, the way they see the world and, and how to make that fun for, you know, a, a wider audience, you know, adults included. So I, I hope to see something like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a Broom Boy movie, but... You know, something along those lines would be really fun. Doesn't even have to be force sensitive. You know, I think it would be fun to see a a movie that isn't about a force sensitive kid uh, making his way across the galaxy and finding out about this bigger world. I would just love to see something that's that's smaller in scope, um, but really impactful in in the same emotional way that those two movies were. I would love to see something like that from him. Yeah, 
I love that. Like I, I think I think about Mando that first season. Like we don't see nothing to do with the Force, you know, and it's like it's super Star Wars and it's super enjoyable. And the amount of discipline it must have taken, you know, the 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 people who made the series to not go there and just tell a compelling, awesome story without lightsabers and the Force and all this stuff that is like, it's like the opposite of hey, let's have Yoda have a lightsaber fight where he's doing ninja moves. Like it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's this like this commitment to like, we can tell a great compelling story in this universe because this universe is just amazing. We don't, we don't need the bells and whistles. Not, that, not that the force and lightsabers aren't incredible, but so I would, I would love to see a story like that set in the star Wars universe. Yeah. Let's just broaden the horizons a little bit. Do something. Different. Totally. Well, it's funny because we have nothing to go on for this, so we have yeah. no idea what time period is taking place in. This could very well be like the first post Rise of Skywalker yeah. thing. It could be, you know, it could be High Republic era since we're getting into that and marketing that kind of thing, it, you know. Or it could just be like Taika has free range to tell whatever story he wants, so he's going to pick something in the middle. And yeah, it, it is literally nothing you can do but but hypothesize about this right now and hope that he's going to bring his like trademark sense of humor and uh, heart to it. You know, it's the back. It's the backstory on what's the guy's name who's like he doesn't like you, I don't like you either. Doctor, <laughs> Doctor of Azan, yeah, dude, it's, it's his origin story. He's dude. he's our patron. It's saint. the prequel. Uh, Panda Baba and Doctor of Azan are the patron saints of this podcast. <laughs> don't even get me started. You should look back so at yeah. We did our hol- our first holiday special was was purely based on those characters. <laughs> my my first band in high school, our record started with. That's that sound clip. He doesn't like you. I don't like you either. <laughs> oh my god, was it a grind band? No, it was a stupid pop punk band. <laughs> oh, I would say that'd be like the perfect clip to start a grind song too. Just <laughs> full blast beats and just sludge guitars immediately. <laughs> I, I, Jake, I can't express how happy I am that you saved the best for last here uh, with with Rogue Squadron, the the movie, the film. Problem. That is coming out in Christmas of 2023. I could be dead by then. Like, who knows what's going to happen? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, and let's hope it doesn't get pushed. But yeah, okay, Rogue Squadron, um, directed by Patty Jenkins, who we know from the Wonder Woman movie. Uh, or movies? Did she do both of them? Yeah, she did. Okay, so she's she's doing this movie. There was actually a really cool little teaser um, where she got to talk about you know her her history in wanting to make like the best pilot movie ever or what did she say i mike you're you're better with the flying stuff she's been looking for the same for a script for a really long time that depicts fighter pilots because her dad was a fighter pilot yeah. and she's she's wanted to make a fighter pilot movie like you know like a bet the better top gun and the better stealth yeah. you know like when i think fighter movies those are the first two that come to mind and that's what our pop culture fighter pilot knowledge really revolves around and she's been looking for a script that kind of does something different than that um i mean top gun was a hit but i imagine it kind of simplified a lot of the things that go on and so she was looking for the right script well that new one was probably really impressive right isn't that what we we heard did that even come out it hasn't come out yet COVID. no no okay no absolutely not um tom cruise would never like squander the opportunity to appear in theaters (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, he, so, so, um, so Patty Jenkins was just saying that like, this is the script that perked her attention. And then you don't like, if you're watching the teaser, you have no idea what you're watching. And then she walks to an X-wing. So it's like, whoa, she didn't want to do fighter pilots. She wants to do space fighter pilots. (laughs) Sick, bruh. And like, yeah. 
it's a cool teaser. Like the whole time she's, it's a great you know, she's talking to you as she's like doing something that's off camera. Inline skating. Rollerblading. Yeah, great. for sure. I just think like <laughs> across the, like, first of all, when I was a kid, I would lo- I, like, I loved taking my rollerblades down to the, like the newly made basketball court in my town. And I would just skate on that because it was so smooth and the basketball players would be so pissed off that we'd be skating on it. And I totally love the the teaser that she's just on like the biggest basketball court imaginable that's been freshly paved for airplanes. It's just like a mile of basketball court that she gets to skate back and forth on. It's great. I'm now picturing you with your elbow pads and your roller <laughs> skates with like, you know, a headset plugged into a Walkman, just, you know, jamming and dancing on your, on your, your skates. I'd love yeah. to see this. Well, and she's zipping, she's yeah, zipping, up, she's zipping um, up the bright orange flight suit as she's walking towards the X-Wing too, which was, I was like, yes. Yeah. And she puts on the helmet. Yep. It's it's awesome. <laughs> the only thing about that teaser was the flight suit for me. Like it was cool that she put it on and everything, but the flight suit looked like a Halloween yeah. costume you get at like the <laughs> Halloween store. It looked a little too reflective. Like you you probably I mean, I actually you know what, now that I think about it, I feel like Star Wars fighter pilots probably would want a more reflective thing so they can be spotted in the vacuum after they've been blasted. But like <laughs> I think yeah, it was it just didn't look it looked like not a movie prop. It looked like something they were like, all right, just put this on. All right, cool. <laughs> the co- the color got me though. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it's good. So one thing I think um, is important to talk about, just because you know, at the top of the show, Bobby, you you talked about like the diversity in the cast and the people who are producing these movies. Uh, obviously, this is the first Star Wars movie that's being produced by a woman, um, which is great and it's impressive. But I, I have seen some backlash on this online, not because anybody hmm. thinks that you know Patty isn't going to do an amazing job with this film, but because for Star Wars to to give a film to a woman, it had to be one of the five women that have directed a film that's exceeded $200 million in gross sales. And that's, she's only one of two of those that have directed a live action picture. So the other one was uh, Anna Bowden for, for Captain Marvel, for those curious is, you know, do you guys have any, any thoughts on this? Like, do you think that played a role in entrusting a woman with a Star Wars movie? Like, did it, does it have to be somebody who's, who's proven that they can make a crap ton of money on a movie at this scale? Well, you, you think you got to look at the, the Anna Bowden thing too, and put an asterisk by it because she co-directed that with, uh, who Ryan Fleck. Right. Um, and it, so, it, and, and that's a shame. I'm not saying that's a woman can't even direct a big movie by themselves. <laughs> like it's, it is, it's, it's messed up. Like, like as far as like, I, I do like trumpet as much as I can. Like I love Disney's commitment to diversity and inclusion and stuff. And it, it's awesome, but it does, it does bug me a little bit because they hand the keys to some of these huge movies to some real hack directors, you know, like Josh Trank was going to do a freaking star Wars movie. You know, it's like that guy's a, <laughs> like he, if, for people who aren't familiar, he's the guy who did uh fantastic four. Yeah. And, and it's like, like and that, that, you know, they, they tried to hand the keys to that guy who's like not a proven filmmaker and turned out to be just a freaking, you know, liability. Like he just, he trashed the rental house. The studio got him for fantastic four uh, harassed uh, one of his female lead actors. Um, you know, it's just, just a, a royal who only had one movie to his belt, you know, and the bar for, you know, that for of success that women have to clear to get the keys to a franchise like, like this is you have to make wonder woman, which is like a, what did wonder woman do globally? Like a billion dollars. I mean, it was like a smash. Um, but like that's the bar you have to clear to get into the boys' club is like I don't know that I don't think it's a Disney problem more than it's just a, a Hollywood problem and just a you know the world problem. But but yeah, I, I'd like to see them yeah you know 
even these people that they're giving opportunities to, you know, they're they're making them cut their teeth on directing ele- television episodes like other other women, you know, that, that you know, they they're kind of giving them a test run on the Man- Mandalorian or or other, you know, Deborah Chow, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, yeah. E- exactly. Mm-hmm. And they're like, OK, OK, you know, we've we've cleared you now. We're going to let you have some bigger opportunities where like they hand over, you know, some of these huge opportunities to guys like Colin Trevorrow, who's done a great job with some big movies. Yeah. But like, I mean, he went from doing safety, not guaranteed to getting Jurassic World, this like gigantic franchise, you know, like the and yeah. and and then he what did he do for Star Wars? He did he do uh he, he wrote did the, the duel, duel of fates. fates. That's right. And he got co-writer's credit on Rise of Skywalker. That's right. And and I I digress, but it's it is it is a little problematic and frustrating to me and you know, I just I don't understand, you know, where you know some of these young guys that do like a movie that you know people are like oh that's pretty cool let's give him the keys to a 500 million dollar blockbuster it's like they don't do that for right. women it's it's stupid <laughs> i think that it's mostly it's an industry problem um but i don't know how to put this i guess it's it's um when you are it's hard to gauge the scale of what this movie is like i didn't understand what this is even a movie from the um, from the teaser of this. I didn't understand that it was going to be in theaters. And I think that's partly the pandemic we're living through right now and like not knowing what the future is, but also they just aren't weren't really clear about what it was going to yeah. be. Um, and they had they relied on the on the text of of whatever they're releasing to clarify. Um, I think that the scale of this is going to be big. I think it's first of all we haven't really talked even about the feature itself which is a you know it's a fighter pilot movie that is going to you know it's it's confusing that it's called Rogue Squadron there's a Rogue One to me um but in general it's going to be big there it's going to be at least Rogue One level in terms of marketing yeah. and you know trying to get it out there and like a director is a job and like, if you look at people who have helmed Star Wars movies, like, sure, like, Colin Trevorrow was, gonna, was sort of an outlier, but he had Jurassic World under yeah. his belt. And maybe the jump from Jurassic World to Jurassic World from Safety Not Guaranteed is, like, a big one. But, like, Ryan Johnson had Looper. Um, I mean, J.J. Abrams was tried and true. He'd done a bunch yeah. of stuff. And Lord Miller. I, so, I, yeah, I mean, the, like, the idea that, that this person, I think it's admirable that that they they sought to have a like or, or the, I, I think they chose the right person for the job i think a director yeah. is a role it's like a producer you know you want to ha- like especially it's a producer on something that is so big and important you need someone who knows how to manage a production of this scale sure. with all the people and everything and you and and a company like Disney is going to go for the sure shot. And in this case, it's a beloved director who is, you know, hit gold twice. I, I would say yeah. I, we haven't seen 1984 yet, but early buzz is really, really positive. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see how it could be anything, but, and I think I, I don't like the argument that like, it's, it's a shame that they couldn't give this to an up and comer because I think it, we don't know what it is yet. And I think if it was something smaller scale, maybe, but they they want this to be as big as possible. And 
I don't know how to like. I I, I understand no, I, the I need to give young like, film. It's like I don't want to be an apologist. I don't want to be a Disney apologist because because I have a lot of things to say at the end of this show that are going to be anti Disney apologists <laughs> that are going to be the opposite of being an apologist. But I, I in general, it's like I don't think it's a big. I think it's a big deal that that, that they're having a woman director, and I'm so happy yep. for it. But I don't think it's surprising that they that there is a bar of $200 million gross <laughs> sales for sure. a movie to get erect a Star Wars movie. It's like, it's the reason, why, I mean, Jake, it's the reason why they c- took Colin off as far as we know in terms of Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker. It's like, you know, the book of whatever. Book you of know, Henry, it, potentially. I mean, yeah. we, don't, we don't really know. We, I mean, that's why they said, you know, like, so, I mean, maybe if he hadn't done that movie, he would still have it. And maybe if he hadn't like crashed the ship, you and I both know there's, there's more elements yeah. to this than, than that. But, For sure. but in general, like to have your director flop right before releasing a sky, like a star Wars movie, it, it would, it would shake great. confidence. So if like wonder woman 1984, like just bombed, then maybe it would be, um, maybe it would be a big deal. Like, but I just don't think I think the chances are so low that, that of that happening. I just hope it becomes less of a novelty like that that there's you know women helming this stuff and that women get you know opportunities that you know men traditionally get that aren't proven. Like I I'm not saying I, I'm beyond happy that Patty Jenkins got this. Like I think it's just wonderful her passion for it, her personal yeah. connection to to uh fighter pilots and stuff. Like that's all just amazing icing on the cake. It's all it's all great. This is all all a big win and it's all progress and it's moving in the right direction. It's like it's like fuck yeah, have a woman helm like a, a, a fucking action movie with starships and stuff. It's like bring it on. But my only my only point my point wasn't to rag on that at all. Like my my only point was just that I you know I wish that there were there was parity and that the playing field was level and that you know s- women got the same opportunities as some of these untested directors get you know like that that film that you know they film one movie and it's it's pretty good and then we're gonna give them the keys to this huge franchise and um, you know I I'm very encouraged by this you know and we said this earlier but um, you know all all these announcements how many women are involved in the production and behind the scenes and stuff like that's that's just it's just awesome so we're moving in the right direction that's where that's where i'll leave my point (laughs) i agree with that and michael stackpole is stoked too yeah yeah i think it's really like it it, his his tweet like maybe it it was out of left field and he wasn't even spoken to for this at all (laughs) but it made me hopeful that that they're actually like consulting him and like he maybe he's like helping with the script or something like that because I, I just think like his his series was so formative to my understanding of Star Wars and like how I feel about the games and the the stuff that I like about Star Wars now. Um, and you know, he also his tweet, basically what Jake is referring to is his tweet by the uh, author yeah. of the x wing series um, to, where he talks about like he put the same amount of care that Patty Jenkins is going to put into this film in terms of depicting an accurate like uh, like star. F- fighter pilot or just military like the, the military approach yeah. to those novels was really fun so young young wedge then right no it was it was post jedi wedge no but i mean it's gonna i mean wedge wedge right now would be like in his i mean he'd be old as fuck so it, it'd be like wedge like how old he be. so you're saying what are you what are you referring to the movie that's coming out of the x-wing yeah, yeah i'm talking about the movie that's coming out they're gonna they're gonna have to re- recast okay. wedge and he'll be the lead i would assume right 
I guess it depends on what we're looking at here because Rogue Squadron was formed on the backs of, like, in honor of Rogue of, One. Of Rogue yeah. One. So, and it was, there was no Rogue Squadron until after the Battle of Yavin, uh, from my understanding. Like, I think on, uh, I forget the designations on Hoth when they're flying the speeders and stuff, and when they they're not checking in as rogues. No, they're I just red, think. red, but, red squadron, right? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah, but Rogue Squadron definitely formed um, after Yavin, and then the X-wing series. It's been a really long time, but the, the X-wing series is a rebooting of Rogue Squadron. Like Wedge is getting the, the band back together, but it's a whole new mess of pilots. Basically, he's the only constant, and I think maybe one other character was in the old Rogue Squadron. I can't remember. Yeah. I have to read them all again. And I just really wish, like, I think the biggest part about this movie is that I just want them to recanonize the X-wing series. There's probably too much that happens post Rise of Skywalker, like that wouldn't fit with those series. But like, I would love to see some of those characters coming back like Corrin Horn or Coran Horn I don't even know how to say his first name because it's always just been read I've never heard it out loud before um the the other thing you know we're talking about diversity in Star Wars and everything like that the X-Wing series was the first time you actually got to spend time with these alien characters that are working in the New Republic like you have uh, a Gamorrean who is flying an X-Wing, uh, nicknamed Piggy. You have uh, this species called a Gand, um, which is like kind of like a, uh, I imagine him as like a giant fly, I guess, with like a uh, respirator or something like that. But he, he his name is Oral Quirg. He flies a pilot. He, he flies an X-Wing in that game, uh, in that series. Like it's just, um, you just get to see like Twi'leks and, and actually talk to them and this romance between the humans and the Twi'leks. And it's just like, it's a really awesome deep dive into Star Wars military, and I'm hoping that's what we see in this Rogue Squadron. Like, I would love to see Mains. Like, it's hard to cast a lead as an alien or, like, have... Like, you don't... Like, Chewbacca is wearing a suit the entire Star Wars series, and he's, like, barely... He, he's, like, a side character. He's supporting. Um, and so I... But I would just love to see, you know, like, aliens you know, figuring further in to like non-humans, yeah. I guess I should say. I love that. In the Star Wars universe being characters. And uh, Piggy, not to be confused with Porkins. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they do have a lot of Porkins allusions to uh, in, back it. Like there's a couple times they, they call back to Porkins and thinking about him on the Death Star. Like Wedge carries a lot of guilt uh, in that series for having to depart from the trench early after yep. he, he tags out or he taps out. Um, so a lot of that is like he's call, is calling back to that battle and like he's the veteran of this series because he's like he's the one who shot the the torpedo on the Death Star. So like I mean, it depends when this takes place. I guess if you look at the logo for Rogue Squadron, you're seeing an old X-wing, like a an original trilogy X-wing. There, not one of the new ones. So it's not like they're it's not like they're bringing Rogue Squadron back in the sequel trilogy era. It's, this seems like it's going to be like a post. Yavin type deal. If I had to put money on it, I would I would bet this is the formation of Rogue Squadron after Yavin, and it's going to tie into Rogue One in a sense. I'm excited for it. Me too. We're going to find out Cassian lives and that Jyn Erso lives. Like a, a lander <laughs> swooped down at the very last second and then Amazing. beamed him up or something. <laughs> I, I, it's very interesting to me that this is the first movement into a feature film following the sequel trilogy. Uh, you know that we're we're going back to 
the the rogue idea because you know rogue one was universally well regarded uh you know it's critically acclaimed it, it was box office smash it's it's kind of the last i, I don't want to say untainted but kind of untainted you know feature film that where there's not there's not mixed reactions to it it was it was everybody was like this is awesome and um you know where the the sequel trilogy so divided star wars fandom uh, you know there's there's people that hated what jj did there's people that hated what ryan johnson did uh but I, I i've never met anybody who said anything bad about rogue one and and so they're them coming back to it as the reintroduction of hey we're gonna give you a star wars movie again is interesting to me and cool to me like i'm, I'm excited for it yeah i think there's there's this is like bound to be a smash i think any any like more straightforward um military type movie generally does pretty well in genre and so i think that this has a lot of potential to be great and also it's it's going to have a bunch of fighter pilots <laughs> so it's it's going to be awesome yeah i mean the I, my only concern is that like jake you and i said the same thing about rogue one like we thought we you and i were convinced or i was convinced i should say i don't want to i don't want to lay this all on you but i was convinced that this was going to be like the formation of rogue squadron and rogue one and i thought it was going to be more fighter pilots and i was really excited but it was a lot of ground action yeah. in this. there was there was yeah, cer- certainly yeah. some fighter pilot stuff but rogue one was mostly ground action and i mean i guess the rogues in the x-wing series also there's a lot of espionage and like Sure, there's some fighter pilot scenes, but it, you know, I mean, those books were like you know 300 pages or so, and you could only have so many fighter pilot scenes in there. Um, a lot of dialogue, a lot of action. I mean, there were spinoff series from that that went that like you know, I, I, no spoilers because if you people do want to read that, it's, I, I recommend it as far as a legends thing if you want to get into it. Um, the only thing I will complain about with Rogue Squadron, this tease we got. Um, is it's this the the genericness I guess of the logo and the, kind of the branding behind it? Like, yeah. I don't know what I would want from it, but I feel like when Rogue One got announced, like you know we had the Star Wars logo and we kind of had that that serif font that you see usually with the subtitles in Star Wars movies. This is sort of like a video game font. Like it reminds me a lot of the logo on the Rogue Squadron uh, N64 PC game that came out. Like it just sort of like a semi am I am I looking at it right like it's it sort of looks like a semi metallic um like font i guess it's weirdly it's, it's chunky dated. it's almost like the kind of thing that you would see spray painted on the side of gear in the military yeah. or something yeah. you know it has sort of a militant vibe to it um, yeah i don't know i think the the point I, this probably won't stick i can't imagine that this will stick all the way through production like these things change um but i think the point here is to to get across that this is a movie about x-wings <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is why they have the profile yeah. of that in the background. It's funny because like once you get a peek behind the curtain of like you know a big production house or like or seeing how the sausage is made in any industry, like you sort of see like this could have been the type of thing that like somebody in their graphics team pulled together last second. Like, well, we we have the teaser ready to go for for Rogue Squadron. We need a graphic yeah. for it, and they're like, well, we haven't even thought about like how we're going to brand this thing. And it's like, all right, well, let me just grab a font off of defont.com. Uh, let's overlay this X-Wing fighter on the lower part of it and sort of make it a little difficult to read. Um, and okay, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this is the only X-Wing profile shot we have right now. So we're just going to, there we go. And they slap it on there and put it at the end of the video. And yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know. It's it, it looks like when I saw that, I thought it was going to either be a, animated series or a video game that they were announcing like i wasn't aware that it was a movie i was very confused when you sent this to me jacob 
I like the military. I, I would just, I do want to, if you, sorry, Bobby, I do want to point something out. Um, I do want to point out that this is Rogue Squadron, Star Wars Rogue Squadron, not Rogue Squadron, a Star Wars story. Yep. This is the first right. time that for yeah. one of these anthology movies that they haven't used a Star Wars story in the marketing from the start. But that's stigma from, from yeah, so- Solo. Solo. Uh, you know, yeah. Solo was such a bust. They've got to retreat from that because they, they don't want to be at all associated with that. It was like with, with the X-Men movies, they they kept, uh, you know, Ian McKellen and Hugh Jackman and stuff, but they, they were going to do a whole run of movies that was X-Men Origins Wolverine, X-Men Origins Magneto, X-Men Origins, and <laughs> the Wolverine movie was so poorly received, they're just like, let's not do that. We can keep our talent, but we're not going to, let's not, <laughs> let's not remind people of that garbage. <laughs> it's also a lot of syllables, you know, <clears throat> it's an extra syllable on there, and I feel like Solo, a Star Wars story, and like, Rogue One, you got two syllables in the top, and like Rogue Squadron, a Star Wars story is like it's just a mouthful, you know. I just like uh, I, I like to think of these things practically. Nobody says that out loud. Nobody refers to Solo as Solo, a Star Wars story. Rogue One, a Star Wars. I story. refer to it's it just... as Solo, a Star Wars story every time, and <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yeah, I, no, it's absolutely. If you look back at our podcast, every time I say the name of the movie, it's Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm gonna go back and edit that back in every episode. Yeah, I know. I'm going. I'm going back right now to the masters and gonna retcon doing. It. I'm ADRing every single time I said it. Well, plus if they make sequels to Rogue Squadron, they would have to say Rogue Squadron: A Star Wars Story: Colon Annihilation or something. I mean, that's a that's a <laughs> lot, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rogue Squadron Two. <laughs> but no, I was gonna say I. I I like the uh, I like the military stencil call out that you made, um, Jacob, because the that's what it looked like to me. It, it looks like you have a stencil and you spray paint it on the side of your gear or your X wing or on whatever. And so I was I was just I was really into it actually. I thought I think it's very cool and it it the military feel of it makes it brings me back to that grim kind of feeling that I had about Rogue One when I watched it, you know, and how you know Cassian Andor is so he's such a disillusioned career rebellion military guy, you know, he's, he's murdered people. He's done all this stuff. And it's like, it's there, you know, we we get caught up in the space opera, you know, just grandiose nature of the star Wars stuff, how sweeping it is. And that's what was so refreshing and cool about rogue one to me was the military operation. These are, these are the people that gave their lives so that, you know, we could blow up the death star eventually, you know, this is, these are the sacrifices that were made and this is and you know and patty jenkins talked about her father uh giving his life in in the line of duty and that kind of stuff's like really cool to me and like that's that's what this this logo and font kind of evokes for me so i, I you know I, yeah i'm sure we're going to see it evolve and stuff but like i i hope that they're it would be really great for this movie to be spiritual cousins to Rogue One. And I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they're using the word Rogue again in the title of a movie because of the goodwill that you know people have for Rogue One. Mike, were yeah. there any Bothans in the books? Bothans. Absolutely. Many Bothans gave Bothan their watch. lives. <laughs> Bothan yeah, Watch 2023. Bothan. <laughs> the Bothans got hot. There was, some, there was some romance, I think, between Wedge and a Bothan, if I'm remembering correctly. Like... There were some hot Bothans in that. Like it's it's weird because I didn't really understand what a Bothan was. I just kind of sort of pictured a furry human. Don't they look like avatars, kind of like cat-like? Yeah, I think that's where we're gonna end up. I think they, there's just never been a Bothan depicted in any Star Wars canon material. There was like some stuff in the RPG guides, I think, way back in the day, like maybe sure. in the 90s. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. But I, I think like that's the closest thing that we've had. But those have been decanonized, no? Like yeah, they're not canonized. 
Yeah. So like it's because I mean, there's definitely if you search Bothans, you can find them like this fan art and like ideas about them. I feel like in those old Star Wars legends character guides too, there might be a Bothan or two. So hold on. That could let me be... let me try to Google sexy Bothan to see what comes up. Yeah. Well, no, you're gonna get some weird shit if you do that. <laughs> you better you better have safe search on. <laughs> oh yes. All right. A- anyone who's anyone who's listening, Google sexy Bothan. There's nothing that's not safe for work, but there's definitely a lot of like, yeah, okay, I can get down. <laughs> yeah, it's really messed up. Uh, this is like searching like sexy Sonic or something like that. It's really deviant. Yeah. If you really just deviant art is really it's a place to be. Like, oh man. It's just it's it's um it's really it's a furry thing I guess it's <laughs> okay so sexy bath and watch twenty twenty three that sounds good yeah <laughs> yeah let's I I, I want to move on just to this isn't we're we're kind of moving out of the Star Wars territory we've kind of covered all of our bases as far as the announcements go for Star Wars but Lucasfilm does have other projects uh, we don't have to go in deep on these but I think it's worth mentioning Willow uh, there's going to be a Willow series that's that's coming to Disney Plus with Warwick Davis returning in the the title role. Uh, I'm excited for that. I love Willow. Yeah. It's a great movie. Um, Indiana Jones. We're going to see the conclusion to Indiana Jones, directed by James Mangold, who did Ford vs. Ferrari, which was easily one of my favorite movies left last year. I loved it. Um, Harrison Ford will star. He's he's finishing out the storyline here. It's shooting in late spring and looks to be uh, released sometime in, in summer of 2022. Those are the the sort of legacy Lucasfilm projects that they're working on now. Um, but they also announced sort of some some new IP, which is a movie called Children of Blood and Bone, which is a coming-of-age adventure that follows a young African girl's quest to restore magic to her forsaken people, the Magi. And this is based on a book, I think, but the, teeter, the teasers and the art for this looked really interesting and really cool. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, I, it, to me, it's always this like kind of... Uh you know, alternate timeline thing that what if Willow had been a smash hit and had spawned a whole universe. Cause I, I liked Willow even more than star Wars when I was a kid. Like I, I was obsessed with Willow. I thought there's nobody cooler in existence than Mad Mardigan, <laughs> uh, Eric, even, I mean, ev- like all the, the, ki- the supporting characters in that movie, I would have, you know, been into fanfic or anything that they, if they, it was around back then, like I just, I just thought that that world was so cool, and and I, I you know I, I absolutely love Willow and everything to do with it, and Sorsha, and sorry, I'm just name checking all these people that I love from that movie. <laughs> like I can't get enough of it. So this is like one of the most exciting announcements to me. I, I just I cannot wait for this, and I hope that it you know, evolves into more spinoffs and stuff. Cause I, I would love for them to just explore that universe. It's always a, a shame to me that we didn't get that the first time around. Right. Yeah. And, and it is cool. Uh, Willow is on Disney plus for anybody who wants to stream it now. So if this is something that you've never watched before, um, it's available to you if you already have the service and, and you can, you can get into it. Um, Bav, Bav Morda. <laughs> She's like pigs. <laughs> You're all pigs. <laughs> Got ourselves a Willow fan. <laughs> Dude, I'm obsessed with Willow. I love Willow. <laughs> Bobby, watch out. We're we're accidentally piloting a, a Bobby Darling Willow podcast here. <laughs> Bring it on. If you guys start one of that, you know what? If you do one where we, we just do one episode per episode of the series, then I'm in. Let's go. Cool. I, I know, Mike, you said there were some things that you wanted to, to talk about sort of as a whole as far as Disney goes and these announcements. Um, this is probably the, the time to start into those, those wrap-up statements. Okay, yeah. I mean, my, my general thoughts, I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited for this, but I also have like this inner... 
like I've I've I listen to Mark Maron a lot and probably more than anybody should. And I think that he has a terrible take on superhero movies and it's really annoying for him to be like, oh, superhero movies are the death of whatever and Star Wars is like, oh, these stupid... This is the first time I've ever sort of thought about what he says and taken it seriously in a sense because like <laughs> between this and the Marvel announcements, like there's just so much stuff coming in these two branches of of, of like, I guess, Disney. Um, and... It's weird that so much of our cultural fabric is going to be in these two universes. It's like, I can't, you can't, I don't want to like say it's like the death of creativity because that's super dramatic and also not true. But it's at the same time, it's like sort of disturbing because like part of the, like every January, I think, what, who does this? Um, one of those, whatever website like was uh, Gawker owned that dealt with sci-fi um io9 I, I think it was yeah mm-hmm. like they would do like a, a like a rundown of what this year's sci-fi was going to look like and it was so awesome to see all the original sci-fi coming out and i feel kind of bummed because if like any any time those lists are going to come out now it's really there's going to be original sci-fi on there somewhere like you know we you and i talked about high life briefly at one point and like other things Prospects. coming like dune you know yeah. um and it's just sort of a bummer to me that like so much attention is going towards just these two properties. Like there's a bunch of sub properties and a bunch of things to explore. Um, and it's going to give jobs to so many people and it's going to give young filmmakers a chance to really flower and like become amazing and maybe get those bigger pictures that we were talking about earlier. But it just sort of like bums me out in a sense that like, it, like Disney is really just Marvel and Star Wars at this point. And I'm sure they're doing a bunch of kids programming too, but it's, I don't know. Because they own Fox. They yeah. own so much now. Like it, Yeah, they do. They have Alien now it's, too. Avatar? Yeah, it's it's like, yeah. It, it's, it's, and like, that's not a bad thing to have like the finances to support these properties. But at the same time, it's like, I don't like that, you know, everything I'm going to be watching is going to be Marvel and Star Wars. And I have the choice, obviously, yes. to not tune in. A lot of the stuff I've watched this year is not these things. Um, but at the same time, it's it's more my concern for other sci-fi that is my my that is kind of the bummer for me. Because, like, there's going to be good dramas, and I'm going to seek those dramas out and whatever. There's going to be good comedies, and I'm going to go seek those out. But when it comes to sci-fi, if a studio is following this formula and just going down this one or two paths and kind of saturating the market. It's like, what is, like, if you look back, like, I don't know, like a human 200 years from now. Well, yeah, I, w- I was going to say, like, how, what do you think about the past few years? It's not like the Marvel and, and Disney empire is anything new. Like, these movies have been dominating the box office for years. But there have for been sure. great sci-fi pictures that have come out recently. I mean, talk, let's talk about Underwater or Sputnik or that Brad Pitt movie. No, no, you're you're totally right. You're totally right. But and I think really now it's a special sauce of the pandemic really that's making that's bringing me to this realization because it's like going to the theater now is basically that the way that they pitched all these series star wars the star wars series and the marvel series that they just pitched it was done in such a way where it was really hard to discern 
what way you're going to be able to consume these things. And like, you know, with all the talk about the vaccine coming soon and, you know, maybe things will be on the upswing and the roaring 20s that we're supposed to see as a result. It's it's wishful thinking, but it's a certainly a possibility. And like, maybe we will just go back to normal and go to the theaters and things will resume and production will be booming and everything like that. But for me, it's it's really just that I don't know that I could spend another year in my apartment just waiting for Disney to spood feed me <laughs> Star Wars and Marvel things and pray that small dramas still get to get made or like or pray that original sci-fi still gets taken seriously and given adequate budgets. Uh, like, it, yeah, I think the budget is a good good argument on that. You know, because they obviously studios are not going to be investing in as many things right now because there's just there's no reason. Like, you don't want to invest a, a ton of money into movies that aren't going to recoup in theaters. So you are going to invest in those those major pictures that you know are going to uh, have a return on investment. So I think there is there is something to be said about that. Um, probably more because of the pandemic, in my opinion, than the state of sci-fi. But yeah, it's an interesting call out. I, I I would just counter that, you know, just because there's Budweiser and Bud Light and those are the companies that buy the commercials on the Super Bowl and are in every store and are ubiquitous or Coke and Pepsi, uh, it, but it, specifically to beer, it doesn't mean that there aren't microbreweries everywhere and people making their own stuff and start, starting up a new brewery and failing, going out of business, but at least they made their beer for a little bit and it was cool. And, um, you know, I, I, I totally get it that, you know, our Disney overlords are going to control like such a huge swath of the media that is out there, but that doesn't mean that, you know, other stuff isn't going to get made and that, you know, I don't know. I, to that, that's just that's what I would counter with. Like I, I think that, um, you know, I'm I'm all for just getting more, more content. You know, that's kind of part of the universe that I is so beloved to me. Like I always, I loved Lord of the Rings so much as a kid, and I always like was like, man, it'd be so cool if there were more spinoff books and more stuff to read. And I was so desperate for more Star Wars content as a kid, and I would play every video game and and just you know read anything I could online and. And, you know, it's to me, it's more of like a this golden age of like, wow, it's it's so neat. We're finally getting, you know, the amount of stuff that we wanted that's associated with the things that we love and and we can be so immersed in it. And that doesn't at all take away from the other original content that's being created. You know, there's there's creators out there doing wild stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen Tenet yet, but that's like banana. Yeah, it's ba- I just watched it's that. bananas. It's like fucking like, like that somebody would just give this guy so much money to make something like this that like, I mean, I'm a fairly well-read and, you know, kind of, I consider myself to be an intelligent person. And I was just like, oh God, hold on. Let me make sense of this in yeah. my brain afterwards. And that, that, <laughs> that was my complaint also. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, that a studio would give somebody a couple hundred million dollars to make this and, and have the guy who's the new Batman and is Edward from Twilight be in it in a supporting role. And like just the, the crazy, you know, and, and uh, I know that that's like a, a one off because Christopher Nolan's had, you know, unparalleled box office success. So he gets a blank check to do everything, but there's creative yeah. creatives are going to be out there doing wild stuff. And the, the, they're never going to stop making tremors. movies. <laughs> exactly. It's not mutually exclusive yeah. where we can have one or the other. Like the fact that star Wars has this gigantic conglomerate behind it that will make it ubiquitous and everywhere and all encompassing and, and so much, such a broader tapestry with so many different iterations of it. That's not going to, 
th- that's not mutually exclusive where we can't we can have that or we can have cool independent sci-fi movies like underwater or prospect or uh did you guys see life a couple years ago that's a movie i think about all the time it, it had yes. jake gyllenhaal and yeah yeah dude that that movie was incredible to me it was just like and i couldn't believe it got made i'm like who makes a movie like this anymore uh, yeah. it's like a horror movie i would watch in the 80s that i would have thought was the coolest thing ever and and it got made with like big huge box office stars in it and and you know fairly modest budget but it, it got made and and you know there's there's I, I don't know i think there's a whole wide world that can fit both i think it can fit you know there's going to be plenty of cool stuff that that we can find in the underground and in smaller formats but but and and i'll i'll end my rant here you know this this stuff's going to change. You know, we call movies movies because they were moving pictures. You know, it's like, the, oh, this is it's a talkie. You know, this is, it's not a silent movie like before. And and I'm sure the people that were really into silent films were just like, oh, fuck this. This is going to ruin everything. Yeah, where's and, our Star Wars silent film? <laughs> and but, you know, and I, I wonder if people that, you know, wrote books when when, you know, film first started were like, oh, no, this is going to ruin everything. Books are still around, you know, like this. Maybe silent movies aren't so much anymore, but the the the, the the whole the show's going to keep moving you know people want to be entertained and there's going to be something new and something different and um and that's okay you know i'm okay with it so that's where i'm coming from <laughs> yeah no i i get it it's a it's a very boomer argument i re- i realize <laughs> old man commentate get off my lawn <laughs> i think it's very much just the pandemic that sort of put me in this mindset of just um you know it's 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 in the same way that like kind of iPhone like I'm an iPhone user I recognize it it's like a great tool and it's it's a world changer, but at the same time I sort of lament the loss of my flip phone and you can always go back to your flip phone yeah, um, yeah. but it's it's sort of just like you know a new iPhone comes out and overtakes the world and you know like a huge population of people are using it and it's you can go get another phone if you want and everything's fine um, but at the same time it's just sort of it changes society a little bit in a way that's not bad. And I mean, I, I love the Marvel movies. Like I have more fun at going to see Marvel movies than I see anything. Like, like I put on infinity war just for kicks for just to do choice scenes when I have nothing else to do. It's just such a great, like it it makes me feel as much as any drama. And that speaks to how much of a simpleton I am and and a (laughs) dumb baby. But like at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's it's uh it's really just the pandemic, really. I think uh, my brain is rotted, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm a hypochondriac. My brain is rotting, and I'm just tired of of watching things on Disney Plus. <laughs> if I if I could speak anything in, into all of our lives, is just to like let's just enjoy the ride, man. We're gonna have so much great Star Wars content in the next you know several years. It's yeah. like maybe this doesn't yeah. go on forever. Maybe at some point people get sick of Star Wars or something crashes so terribly that it goes away for a while. But like for now, it's like damn, we're gonna have so much cool stuff to talk about and geek out over. So I'm like I'm I'm on board. I'm here for it. <laughs> It's hard to imagine a time where there wasn't a Star Wars at this point, you know? It's it's going to be weird. Well, think about the gap between uh, the Ewoks movie and <laughs> Phantom Menace, you know? That's a long time to yeah. go without any content. And all we had was our imaginations, you know, and the and some of the books. There yeah. weren't really a lot of books back then. Uh, but it's 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 crazy. Yeah, we're, we're so spoiled now. Like, I feel I feel lucky to be alive in this era of entertainment. On that note, I would be interested to know from the both of you, what are, you know, the one or two top announcements from from Disney Plus on, on what are you looking forward to the most out of all of these? Hawkeye. 
Are you serious? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I I love you. I love you. I, we've never even hung out before, and like I th- that that run of the Matt Fraction uh, Hawkeye comics is like some of my favorite thing Dude. in history. I, I just I'm so excited. It's some it's some of the best comics and art, yep. and it's it's the, one of the best cohesive stories in the Marvel universe. And the fact that they're doing this, they're shooting it outside my you know like next door to me, basically like right like five minute walk from where I am is where they shot all that stuff, and like it's just so awesome. It's it's just. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we we spent two hours talking about Star Wars stuff, and my I hate you guys so much. <laughs> my most exciting, the most exciting thing I'm I'm ready for for Disney Plus is 100 percent Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought you were mess. I thought you were trolling me like, oh Hawkeye, because it's like Jeremy Renner and the Jeremy Renner app no, and stuff. No, no, 100 percent. No, like the, the the as soon as I saw Pizza Dog in those Pat photos, like I was like, holy, oh my god, this is happening, and it was, and then Haley showed up and she's Katie, and like it's just gonna be so good <laughs> sorry jacob we're geeking out <laughs> i'm rephrasing my question okay fine any what's up jake <laughs> what two one or two star wars announcements from the recent disney plus investor call are you looking forward to the most <laughs> rogue squadron who cares it's boring all right i'm let's talk more about hawkeye okay <laughs> oh my god is this a star wars podcast <laughs> it's supposed to be it used to be <laughs> As try as I might. <laughs> uh, for for me, it's uh it's Obi Wan Kenobi. I you know I love Hayden Christensen. I, I'm like an unabashed Hayden Christensen fan. Like I loved Jumper. I wish that Jumper would have been a huge franchise. Um, I loved. Did you guys ever see that movie? You recently did a thread on Hayden Christensen, didn't you? On like all of like his bad movies that you adore. You know, what? I think it was just a thread on bad movies in general. But a couple of his popped in there. He's in a lot of them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, because it's like the guy is just captivating on screen. It's like. I I feel like he was done a terrible discredit with what he had to deal with with the prequels. I think you know just starring in a Star Wars film is a lot of pressure. It's a lot to shoulder, especially being you know Anakin Skywalker, who is the linchpin of everything that has ever happened and ever will happen, as far as I'm concerned. And and so it's like you know that was just a tough situation for him to be in. And the dialogue was written by someone who writes clunky dialogue and. Um, you know, he just, he didn't get a fair shake. So uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Takers? I love him in Takers. It's this great heist movie with uh, Paul Walker and Idris Elba, and he's wonderful in that. It's, uh, I don't know. So I, I just, I can't wait to see him be Darth Vader. I, I Are you guys still there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, sorry. I'm ranting. Uh, no, but like when, uh, Mike, when you were talking about um, the, the idea of, you know, in-helmet camera view, like how they do Tony Stark and Iron Man, and that I that never even occurred to me, and I'm just like so fascinated by the possibilities, and I I just I just can't wait to see more of it and to humanize the person behind the mask, because he's not some... You know, Darth Vader's not some mustache twirling villain. You know, he's a complex character with complex feelings. And I don't feel like they were done justice with how he was handled in the prequels. You know, he he came off as a petulant little bitch kind of. And and he's like, they're jealous of my powers. They're trying to hold me back. Like just stuff like that, where it's like it, it, it wasn't a convincing, you know, descent or seduction by the dark side. You know, I... I like uh, who who was the who was the Jedi who tried to frame Ahsoka uh, in the Clone Wars series? Can do you guys recall? Barasafi. Oh yes. Okay. So so her descent to the dark side was awesome. It's like it's like completely believable. She did terrible things in the name of 
she convinced herself that she was on the right side of of history you know she she and she, she the thing is she wasn't wrong like she when she talked about there's the jedi are corrupt there's something bad going on here so even though she did terrible things plotted terrorist acts framed people murdered people like she wasn't wrong and that's that's how we get sucked into those things is like no villain thinks i'm the bad guy they're like everyone is the hero of their own story and they believe that they're the hero and you know Anakin's arguments in the films weren't really compelling or very believable. He just kind of seemed like a little <laughs> and <laughs> like I to see him done justice in Obi-Wan Kenobi, it, that would just like make my life. Like I'm so excited. So <laughs> that's my that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. What about you, Jake? Yeah, what? Tell us, Jacob. Honestly, I I'm looking forward to Andor and the Acolyte. Like I don't know anything about the Acolyte, but the idea of it just you know, really, really interest me just getting like a mystery thriller. And then with Andor getting that spy thriller, um, just those different genres. I'm really excited about seeing that. Hell yeah. Well, cool. Well, you know, Bobby, thanks so much for, for coming on the Hawkeye podcast, yeah. <laughs> on the Hawkeye podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's great having you on. It's not often we get other voices in the show. And I know that you were really excited about, you know, the, the evolution of the expanded, this new expanded universe that we have and, and the opportunity that we have to, to tell all these new stories. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I want to make sure that people follow you on Twitter. Um, your, your current handle is fail underscore American. Uh, I also encourage people to listen to any of Bobby's work wherever you stream or purchase music. Uh, I personally recommend American Fail. Uh, it's super punk, but also like really dancey. I listen to it all the time. Bobby, is there anything else going on in your life that you want to plug right now? Um, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, just American Fail. Go listen to it um, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm just super uh, just tickled that you invited me to, to come be on the show. Like I, I just, I'd love, and I, and I apologize for going into different spiels because I just, I get so passionate about so many of these characters and this <laughs> world. And I just, you know, Star Wars is just so beloved to me. It's, it's, you know, I don't know. Our culture feels so uh, in flux at this particular moment in history. Um, you know, with we're, we're grappling with even the idea of what is true anymore. What it, is there objective truth? Is the sky blue? Does, does two plus two equal four? Uh, you know, we're, we're we're all running to catch up with you know social media. You know, changing everything, and you're you know, your racist uncle posting something on Facebook and how do you handle it? And, um, you know, just everything's just so crazy and there's so everything's just shattering norms. And, and, you know, we have this, this other world that, you know, where, I don't know, the best is, is, is there, the best of us is, is all there. And, and, you know, where, you know, good is good and you know gray is gray and black is black and you know that all of it is like and that's the star wars universe and i just i it, it means so much to me to be able to escape into it you know watching the mandalorian recently and like just feeling like i'm in this world and so obsessed with like oh my god it's a crate dragon and, and it's boba fett's armor and yeah you know spoiler <laughs> alert you know and uh, it, it, but it, it, it's it's all just um it's this constant and this this reminder of a better world and even though there's obviously terrible things and you know evils and unfortunate things that happen in that universe it's it's um there's something 
constant and reassuring about it. And I, I just, you know, I'm thankful that it exists and I'm thankful that there's guys like you that are geeking out about it like I am. And it makes me feel less alone, you know, that like, hey, this stuff still matters to people. Everyone's yelling at everyone else on the internet about this or that. And like, but there's this world that has nothing really to do with that. But it, it does speak to the truths of being a human being that we care and are so passionate about and that we share a love for. And that's, it's, it's nice to share stuff with other human beings. So thank you. I love you guys. Sorry to rant again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate you coming on and, and your passion. It, Star Wars is a constant and it is something that you, know, you can use to, to talk to people about, even if you don't agree on the direction that a story went or how a character was portrayed. I, I think that's the fun of Star Wars. It's, it's fun to talk very seriously about something that is not very serious. <laughs> and, and that's why I think we do this podcast. It gives us an opportunity to, to talk about something that we both enjoy and to argue about it and to, um, you know, vent any frustrations that we have about this thing that we love just so, so much. So again, thank you for, for coming on. And you guys share, you guys share such cool insight, not to toot your horn on your podcast, but it's like, it's both of you guys have said so many things that have just made me go like, whoa, I didn't think about it like that. And, and that's just in the, the past, you know, little amount of time we've been talking today. And it's, uh, it, it's, it, it really is a treat. I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the, your guys' regular listeners are just like, what a, what a blast that there's a couple nerds that are so into this stuff. <laughs> Our, our regular four listeners. <laughs> Mike will be cutting out all the praise in the edit. So I appreciate usually, it. It's usually my MO. It's, it's just going to be like Star Wars, Star Wars, Rogue Squadron, Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I also wanted to say that uh, you heard us reference the, the leaked Colin Trevorrow script, Duel of Fates, uh, earlier in the episode, if we, Jake and I just did this massive episode, we were probably, we recorded probably like three hours. I think I cut it down to like two hours and 20 minutes, I think, or so like of just us talking about this script, like plot for plot, you know, like, and comparing it to the rise of Skywalker. I highly recommend you check that out. If you're curious and just want to kind of a, an idea of what was going to happen with that movie before it came out, uh, before it got scrapped or rather. Um, you can find the show notes for this episode at banthafodder.fm slash episode slash 38. Or you can just look at them in like whatever podcast app you use, whatever you have there. Uh, follow us at, at banthafodderfm on Twitter. I didn't say that last time, but I'm going to say it again now. Follow us at banthafodderfm on Twitter. We stopped using a bot to make our posts for us, so it's a lot better now. <laughs> um, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. I, I've always wanted to touch him. I, like the texture of Yaba is something I, I need to discover.